Before we get into today's Reddit stories, I first of all need to tell you about one of my other favorite Reddit podcasts out there, The OKOP Show. If you guys are looking for even more daily Reddit content, then The OKOP Show with John and Sam is perfect for you. Just search for the letters OKOP wherever you get your pods. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to three hours of some of the very best r slash entitled parent stories from the past few months. If you're a fan of entitled parents content, well, just wait for this one. Three hours of stories about people that are just so entitled, you may not believe it. Without further ado, let's get into the first one. Too racist to enjoy a tropical island and ends up paying the price. I was just reminiscing about the absurdity of the situation that happened almost two years ago, and I decided it's too good not to share. I'll be honest, it involves a lot of legal stuff that I'm not sure I'm talking about 100% correctly, but I can assure you this story is true, as is the end result. This might be a long one, so buckle up. For context, my mum is a traveling healthcare worker. Not a nurse, nor a doctor, just to clarify, and we're from the US. Usually, her contracts last from 8 weeks to 9 months, and she's worked all around the States. This results in an ungodly amount of airline miles that she likes to gift me so I can visit her whenever she's on contract. I get a nice vacation, she gets to see me, I get to see her. Win, win, win. Two years ago, after I graduated and was living at my mum and her long-term boyfriend's house in a COVID lockdown-induced depression and existential crisis, my mother scored her first overseas contract on a tropical island for six months from June to the end of November. I'd gotten a trashy job in my hometown to start saving for whatever my next step was. Three months in, my mum realized the downside to being on a very small island where international travel to and fro was a pain in the butt. She was lonely. This prompted a very bashful phone call in which she asked me if I wanted to take a break from working and come stay with her for a while. I jumped at the opportunity and we made arrangements to get my passport renewed and booked a ticket for me to stay with her for the last few months of her contract. All of this context comes to the main character, another US-based traveler, also not a nurse nor a doctor, who was my mother's co-worker. Let's call her Mary. Mary, to put it bluntly, was racist as heck. And she was not enjoying getting paid to work on an island with crystal blue water on white sand beaches. Why? Because she failed to realize that she wouldn't be treating elite white resort goers. No. Turns out, the people who tend to be treated at the local hospital were the native islanders. You know, the people of color. She was also a COVID denier, trumper, and anti-vaxxer really just a blast to talk to. She was so livid about having to go to a grocery shop surrounded by POC, not what she called them, hints, it starts with N and ends with R. It didn't matter that she could go to the beach every day after work and was lodged in a multi-million dollar vacation home on one of the highest points of the island with a gorgeous view. Nah, she was too busy recoiling at the sight of gasp melanin. So yeah, she hated being there and wanted nothing more than to leave. 
she latched onto my mother for company and my mother reluctantly obliged her for a time due to aforementioned loneliness. The main conflict of this story comes when my mother's contract began to reach its end while Mary's still had a month to go. Mary fought tooth and nail to renegotiate an early end of her contract, but was denied. So what does she do? She just leaves, like packs all of her stuff and departs to the US anyway. No biggie, right? She just doesn't get her remaining paychecks. Wrong. Here comes the beauty of contracts. See, the contract she agreed to comped her lodging on the condition that she fulfill her employment duties. Since she very clearly had no intention to, the contract was therefore voided and the compensation for her lodging was promptly retracted. She was now on the hook to pay back this country's health ministry for the several months of rent they'd paid to house her in that gorgeous vacation home with a beautiful view. I'm not sure how much it would have been, but I'm guessing a million at the very least. Mary was now not only a terrible employee in this country, but a literal fugitive but she figured they could only arrest and charge her if she ever stepped foot back on their soil. So she wasn't concerned. Now she was mostly right, but that wasn't the only thing this country's government could do. They proceeded to ring up the good old US government, notify them of the charges and let them take it from there. They couldn't have her extradited, but they could ask the US to flag her passport until she paid them or faced charges. So the US government said, sure buddy, we'll do it. And they did. Mary can't leave the US anymore. She can't even go to Canada. She tried to join her friends on vacation in Mexico, but she wouldn't be allowed to cross the border. So if you ever think you screwed up a job really badly, just remember that you at least aren't an actual international criminal who can no longer leave the country. I'm not sure why her racist butt even wanted to go to Mexico. I heard there are a lot of Mexican people there. Yeah, I heard that too. Funny, really. Don't really know why a racist person would ever want to go there, but uh, yeah, good luck to Mary is what I'll say. How good is Carmen, by the way, guys? I mean, seriously. And also, it kind of just makes sense. Like, if this woman doesn't want to go to another country because she doesn't want to see or interact with their people or people of, of different color skins, then great, now she legally can't. It's Surely it's a woman for everyone, right? Mary should be ecstatic with the news. She should be absolutely loving life, sitting in her little American house, never being allowed to leave the country. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. Now for our third entitled people story of this episode. My entitled sister expects me to apologize for snitching on her after she tried to out me to our parents. So me, a 17 year old boy, and my sister, who is 14, have never gotten along. Not because she is only my half sister, but because she is an immature and spoiled female dog. For some context, about three days ago, I told my sister she should stop dating her boyfriend because he is too old for her. She did not take my lecture kindly, and she did the only thing her immature butt could think of, deciding to tell my mum and stepdad that I am gay. She found out that I'm gay a few months ago after she burst into my room when me and my boyfriend were making out, and she's been threatening me that she will tell our parents ever since. The thing is, they already know, but I never told her to give her a fake sense of superiority. And ever since, she's thought she had me at her finger. Well, it seems like my sister finally decided to reveal my secret. So what she thought was about to be a session of my parents yelling at me or something turned into an intervention on her insensitive behavior, as our parents put it. She just complained about how I was the bad guy because I was blackmailing her. But I wasn't about to let her get away with trying to ruin my relationship with my parents. So I did the only reasonable thing I could. I told them about her boyfriend, who by the way is 17 turning 18 in not even two months. Meanwhile, she just turned 14 in June. What? 
That is highly illegal. Oh my god. I did not think it'd be that serious. So, you can imagine how angry our parents were when they found out she was dating a guy over four years older than her. At first, they scolded me for not telling them earlier and helping my sister cover this up. You know what? I actually kind of agree with that. That is literally illegal. You should have told them as soon as you found out. At the end, we both got our punishments. Mine was about a 20-30 minute lecture for not telling them right away, and she got her phone and laptop taken away. Dad cut the Wi-Fi on her TV, and also she isn't allowed to go out. These restraints will stay until the end of summer, which honestly isn't that much if you ask me. The day after, I was met with my sister in my room telling me that she deserves an apology because you freaking, and then insert the F slur here, ruined the rest of my summer and all my plans. I told my parents what she said and the punishment was extended until October. So Reddit, does my idiot of a sister deserve an apology? Well, I don't really know what she deserves, but let's just, let's just, you know, think, think of the, we'll focus on the most important things here. First of all, like, this is highly illegal what's going on here. A 17, almost 18 year old man, gonna become a man, like legally, is in a relationship with your 14 year old sister. What the, I mean, forget all the other stuff. Like, I don't wanna kind of brush it under the carpet because it's bad as well, but first of all, let's focus on that. That is illegal. I mean, I don't know necessarily which country it takes place in, but I'm pretty confident it's gonna be illegal in whatever country. That is the most important thing. Secondly, Honestly, I kind of feel a bit bad for your sister. Yes, she is 14. She she needs to know way better than that. But 14 is still a young age. There's enough time to educate her and make her realize that she's just being horrible and, and needs to change her ways. When I was 14, I wasn't saying stuff like this, but I'm pretty sure I had not that much common sense and probably said some things that I now regret. Let's just be completely frank. Not to this extent, but there's still time for her. To, to get back to, to normal with a with a good amount of education. I, I just can't get my head over the fact that there is a 17 slash 18 year old man in a relationship with a 14 year old. That is crazy and your parents are right. That is the thing that you both need to be punished for for not telling them sooner. Thankfully, you did eventually tell them because oh my God, if that, could, if that carried on, could have been absolutely catastrophic. <sighs> Look, it's easy to jump on jump on the bandwagon and say your sister's a bad person for calling you the F slur and all that stuff. And yeah, she, look, she is obviously. But just first and foremost, make sure that she is all right. Because a 14 year old going out with a 17, 18 year old, she's being taken advantage of there. It's important to make sure that she is safe and that guy is locked up. Now for our final story of this episode. Bizarre woman tries to steal my fries at the food court. This happened at the food court at my local mall the other day. And it's weird how boundaries and basic social conventions seem not to apply to some people these days. So me and my wife go to the mall and decide while browsing that we're going to get some food. We go. My wife says she's not hungry, but I get a burger and fries and then start eating. Halfway through, my wife says she is in fact hungry and she's going to steal some fries. Fair enough. I let her take some fries and she eats them. Now I wonder in the history of mankind, how many times this exact interaction and event has taken place. I don't know. Get in the comments down below. What do you think? A little while later, I've started on the burger and my wife says she needs the bathroom and walks off. And I have some fries left on the side of my plate. I look down to use my phone as I get a DM from someone and then I hear a rustling sound at the side of the plate. I look up thinking my wife has come back and has decided that she wants more and say, hey honey, guess you've made some extra room for more fries. And then spot that, no, it's not my wife. There's some random woman, mid-30s, putting her hand in my plate about to grab the fries. She laughs and says, 
Wow, suddenly we're super acquainted, aren't we? I laugh out of disbelief and say, Excuse me? Why are you trying to steal my food? She acts offended and says, Well, you let the other woman sitting by you steal some fries, and you clearly don't want these, so I thought I could have them. I explain that the other woman sitting by me was my wife, but she's just some random person who I don't know and doesn't have any right to my food as I hadn't invited her. She just rolls her eyes, snorts, lets go of my fries, and then walks off. I sit there for a second in disbelief that someone just tried that. And my wife comes back and asks what the woman storming away from my table wanted. I explained what just happened and we both laughed as it was weird, inappropriate, and something that most people should probably have learned way earlier than someone who seemed in her 30s. I'll just take this stranger's food without asking. It's certainly an interesting take on things, but not one I agree with. Yeah, as far as hot takes go, I think I'll have to uh, agree with that. If you see a woman on the table with someone else, uh, they're clearly like together in some form, doesn't have to be in a relationship, just even friends or whatever, like sitting at the same table, and they're eating a little bit of someone else's food, that same person that they're on the table with. You don't just go, oh, that food must be for free then, and go up to it. Ugh, it is just bordering on ridiculous. In fact, it's not bordering on ridiculous. It just is ridiculous. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Neighbor opens my parcel and shouts at me for the contents. I can't actually believe this conversation just happened. The sheer entitlement and ridiculousness of it has made me laugh, but also left me speechless. I ordered a mug from Amazon as a gift to my best mate. The mug had the word C-U-N-T on it with the C as the handle. Cute mug, would recommend. Anyway, there is a house on the street next to mine that has a very similar address to mine, and I'll often get their post and they sometimes get mine. For example, my address would be something like number six random streets and theirs is number six random side street. It's annoying as they're different plus or minus one word, but the names of myself and that family are so wildly different that you'd think the postman or any delivery driver might have got used to that by now, but I digress. I had the notification from Amazon to say my mug had been delivered and was in the safe place. I go to check and it isn't, and so I go round to the similar address's house to see if it was indeed there, and I get no answer. I decide that I'll try again later and or they'll bring it over before I contact Amazon. Now a few days pass and they don't bring my parcel around, so I get Amazon to replace it. But then half an hour ago, there was a knock on my door. I open the door to the father of the family at the similar address holding my Amazon parcel that's been opened and he quite literally throws it at me. Before I can form words, he says, My 11-year-old child opened that. Don't you ever order something so disgusting again? How dare you? And he started to storm off. I register what the heck he just said and I shout after him, Wait, what the? No one should be opening my post anyway. That's a criminal offense. How dare you have the cheek to come to my house and berate me for opening my post? He just waved his hand at me dismissively and carried on walking. I just stood there for a good minute trying to figure out if that actually happened. Well, it did. And now I have two CUNT mugs. I'm so tempted to leave one on his doorstep with a note saying, you can keep it, mate. 
It's definitely been made for you. Wow, what a way to end things once and for all. I mean, hearing that after just being so angry and then your neighbor saying that to you, that has got to hurt. So good. I feel like at this point, you have any excuse to order your neighbor just whatever you want. It could be something, you know, pretty adult, naughty, just downright disgusting. I feel like if they're opening your post, then, you know, let them open your post, right? And, and see what other surprises you have for them. It's so weird though. Them getting angry at you for opening your post. Mental. My cousin's wife tried to put their young son on a plane flight with me. Oh boy, here we go. I've looked on this subreddit for years, but stopped due to the pandemic for mental health reasons. But I've wanted to tell this story for a while now. Let's start from the beginning. It was my very first semester as a college freshman. I officially moved into my college dorm to start this new chapter of my life. I'm an international student, so it was a tough experience once reality settled. Thankfully, I had my cousin, whom I haven't seen in years, and his wife, who lived in Dallas, who helped me with getting a US number, bedding, and school supplies. Fast forward to Thanksgiving break. I accepted my cousin's offer to go to Dallas for the break, since it was better than staying in the dorms. I met his two kids, a son and a daughter. We catch up with each other, seeing how our lives have gone up to that point. The break ended, and I went back to college to study for finals. Then it happened. My cousin's wife asked for a favor via text. The favor? Take their eight-year-old son home back to the Caribbean with me because his godmother wanted to see him. I told her that I wasn't able to do that because I didn't know when my exams would be finished. I actually did know when. I just told her that so she would leave me alone or do something herself. I'd already made up my mind with my mum's support that I wasn't doing that. Fast forward to a few weeks later. I was chilling in the airport, minding my own business, when my cousin called me. He asked if I was doing something for his wife. I said no and explained myself in the situation. He thanked me and I thought that would be the end of it. But no, I saw her with their son holding a suitcase and a carry-on when I was walking to my gate. My cousin was nowhere to be seen. I asked her what she was doing. She gave me some sob story of how his godmother wanted to see him and told me that he'll be good as he was hugging my leg. I was shocked. I felt my heart race. The groups were being called and I had to make a decision. Notes, I just turned 18 at the time and I barely knew this child. I like to have everything in order and pre-planned to avoid confusion and this would complicate everything. Furthermore, immigration would be on my case. Finally, I don't know who his godmother is or what she looks like. I told her no, stating that if she wanted to do this, they could have planned a family trip together and not dumped their kid on me. She said that she already bought the ticket and I might as well take him. I told her no again and then got on my flights. My family was proud of me for standing my ground as they didn't like her either. Turns out that sometime after or during the pandemic, my cousin and his wife got divorced. Understandable. His now ex-wife went behind his back trying to get his son on an international flight when they could have planned a family trip together. Yeah, crazy. I'm not gonna lie. Halfway through this one, I was thinking, you know what? It's pretty poor from this woman, but your family, is there no way you can just sit with this kid for a bit of the flight and make sure he's okay and then go your own separate ways when you get to the get to the country? But even that is a lot of effort, so that's probably not a good decision. But then, hearing all the rest of the context here, you don't even know what the woman who's supposed to be picking him up looks like. How would that ever work? So what, you're just gonna give him to a random stranger that you've never met? What? Where's the logic there? I mean, clearly that isn't any but my goodness me and i think at the end you were saying that that his mum and dad had already been divorced before this debacle if that is the case that does make sense even if they then got divorced it still makes sense because she's clearly a 
deluded and strange messed up individual oh and apparently flying internationally with a child requires documentation according to the comments especially when not immediate family well there you go so that would have massively impacted your flight as well because the security would have been like well what are you doing here who is this kid god what a mess that would have been all because of this crazy lady now for our third story of this episode cousin was mad i didn't barbecue food without seasoning for her baby on the weekend immediately after july 4th i hosted a family barbecue my slightly older cousin in her mid-30s had told me that she was not coming a week in advance then about two hours before the event she changes her mind and tells me she will be coming with her husband and her one and a half year old daughter this was not a problem we bought enough food for there to be lots of leftover while we were there my husband and i were slaving away in front of three barbecues in the yard to cook for a group of 24 people and a baby we didn't have time to take a break or go inside with everyone else they were inside because it was raining during this time my cousin or her husband constantly came over to complain about our food they were the only ones who complained that the food was too salty everyone else who came over to speak with us loved and devoured the food after the wagyu tomahawks were served my cousin came over again wow that sounds good by the way this time her face was red and she was livid it was red from anger not drinking she's a non-drinker she started complaining that we should have known better and that her baby couldn't eat such salty foods and that we should have made separate food for them unseasoned i told her that there was no way we could have done that we already bought all the food we needed beforehand everything was seasoned or dry brined ahead of time i suggested giving her a big bowl of water so she could try washing off any seasoning before feeding her baby but she said that wasn't good enough that's when her husband showed up and suggested that i go to the butcher and buy another tomahawk and come back that way their daughter could also have some unseasoned my husband said no we weren't wasting time gas and money on a one and a half year old and even if we did she obviously would not have been able to finish an entire steak i just don't understand what changed she was never like this before she had her kid now she expects the world to revolve around her is this something that involuntarily happens to a large percentage of new parents yeah no it makes complete sense i would invite my child to your wedding uh, by the way didn't say she was going to come but uh now she's coming now that to be fair isn't great but also you need to change the entire menu for her yeah uh, if you could just do that really quickly that'd be so good pop to the shops uh, leave the barbecue and everyone else's food just go to the shops quickly spend a bit of money on a brand new steak that she's obviously not going to eat uh, and don't put any salt in it this time just for her because we gave you such a big warning of a couple of hours you clowns i would say to answer your question i appear at the end yes I, I think i mean look parents in the comments let me know i do imagine that that when you have new parents they, they they do think that the kid is their world because for them it is but for other people it is not and that is the uh, is the difference i think these parents need to understand that yes you love your kid very much and it's the center of your universe but no one else actually cares about your child that's that's the truth let's be completely honest i mean that's a bit harsh some people care but most people do not care and now for our final story of this episode this one is an absolute whirlwind worst karen i've ever seen caused the blow up for the ages because i wouldn't give her son a black belt on his first day of karate first up some background I teach Kenpo Karate as a second degree black belt. I also have an assistant, Kira, a first degree black belt in her own right. I don't own the gym, my instructor does, but since he's gotten older, me and Kira handle the younger classes while he handles the business side of things plus adult class. We have three classes, a kid's class of ages five to 10, an intermediate class, 11 to 15, and an adult class, age 16 and up. 
So onto the story the kids class has just ended and a woman walks in with her son She says her 13 year old son wants to take karate lessons So I shake hands with her and have her sit down with my instructor to fill out the waivers and get him his g measurements Other students file in for the intermediate class and me and kira get down to business I take the bulk of the class around 15 kids while kira goes with a new student one-on-one to teach him basic strikes and stances Not five minutes later. I hear kira upset telling the new boy to do 10 push-ups. Why? Well, he called Kira, who's essentially a volunteer, a freaking female dog. Karen, the mother, stands up and says her son can't do push-ups as she doesn't want her son to be sore. Kira lets him do the push-ups on his knees, but not five minutes later, she makes him do 20 more since he's now called her a S-word. What? For reference, Kira is in her early 20s and the boy is 13. Not to mention there's other parents and kids here as well. It's wholly inappropriate. So I walk over and ask Kira to switch with me. As she does, she gives me the bug eyes and mouths. What the frick? So I walk over and ask the boy why he insulted my assistant Kira. He said he doesn't like girls. When I asked him what he meant, he said he only listens to his dad or other boys. He won't listen to me at all. He needs some discipline, the mother confirms to me, chuckling, as if raising a monster is something to laugh about. When do I get a black belt like you have? The boy asked me. Mind you, he's been punched in the air the entire time. This boy is aggressively hyper. Well, it takes a while. I've been training since I was five and I earned my black belt at 21. So it took me a while, I say. Nah, I don't want to wait that long. I want mine now, he says. His chubby face now red and sweaty from the shadow boxing. The mother motions me over and whispers this in my ear. Do you think you can just give him one? Just to make him happy? No, sorry, he has to earn one. We aren't a belt factory. Well, he never gets told no. I'm sorry, but that's not how we do things here. Look, I have money. I can pay you extra. No, sorry, we only give belts when they're earned. After several minutes of arguing and conversation that leads nowhere, Karen snaps at me. I paid, so you give my son a black belt. She stands up and points a finger in my face. It was so sudden that I reflexively took a step back. Hey, chill out, lady. Some of the other parents chime in. Before I can reply to Karen, I hear a loud commotion behind me. I hear more parents and students shouting. I turn and see the new boy smacking and hitting a girl in the class. Kira is shouting, hey, stop. However, this girl that the new boy is hitting is a purple belt and a little badass of her own. She loads a front kick and hits brat boy center mass right in his flappy stomach. He shouts and doubles over, crying tears of pain. I was so freaking proud of her. Hey, that little female dog hurt my son. Karen runs past me onto the mat and gets in the face of the 14-year-old girl that her son just attacked. The girl is already scared and starts to cry, but Karen ups the ante and shoves this girl in the chest with her hand. Kira gets between them and is red-faced enraged. I immediately rush over and try to defuse the situation, but neither of them are having it. Parents stand up and start shouting. Keep your hands off my daughter. The girl's father, who was with the other parents, yells at Karen. He starts approaching aggressively, but backs off when he realizes that me and Kira, both black belts, are by her. Now, you should know something about Kira. She's under five foot and less than 110 pounds soaking wet, but she can still kick my butt up and down the mat on any given day. She's fast, accurate, and insanely flexible. She can control her body and perform techniques that I just simply can't. So Kira and Karen get into a shouting match with each other. I tell Karen to leave with your kid and don't come back. 
Don't you ever lay a hand on any of my students. Do you understand? I raised my voice and was genuinely fuming. F you. My son needs a black belt and you won't give him one. She screams back at me. Your son is crazy. He attacked our students. Kira interjects. But this set Karen off as she reaches and tries to slap Kira in the face. Ha ha ha. That's a big mistake. Having had enough, Kira parries the smack and fires an absolutely vicious leg kick right into the meat of Karen's inner thigh with nothing held back. The slap sound of Kira's shin bone decimating Karen's thigh echoed off the ceiling like a slab of meat getting thrown on the floor. It was glorious. Karen gasped as she fell onto the mat in a heap. Oh, oh my God. She held her leg as Brat Boy got up and rushed at Kira. I got in front of her and grabbed the boy's wildly swinging arms. Yeah, he hit me a few times, but I refused to hit children whatsoever. I let him tire himself out. One of the parents called the police. After interviewing everyone involved, they determined that Kira and myself acted in self-defense. Neither of us wanted to pursue assault charges against Karen, but the parents of the girl Karen shoved rightly felt differently about it. So Karen was hauled away in handcuffs. Karen said that she'd sue me and Kira in civil court, but since we have legal waivers, here's hoping that nothing comes of that. As for the boy, I honestly feel bad. His childhood has been robbed by terrible parenting, and I wish we could have had more time to straighten him out. I have particular dislike for his views of women, and I feel like I really could have helped turn him around. Maybe, maybe not. So yeah, that was my experience tonight. Hope you will enjoy reading it more than I did going through it. Well, I did enjoy reading that. That was unbelievable. <laughs> Put yourself in this spot. What are you doing here? What are you doing? It's, like, it's so dumb. If you're going to pick a fight with anybody anywhere, I personally wouldn't choose karate instructors in a dojo. It just doesn't seem like a great idea to me. I do really like, though, what OP said about the kid it's kind of what i feel with a lot of these children that we do see in these stories a lot of the time i don't think it's their fault that they're saying these sort of things right you know horribly sexist things like where's he got that from is what i'm trying to say you're not born with this in your mind i don't think so therefore clearly we can tell by the actions of his mother throughout the story as well and the things she's saying is their terrible parenting as op says there's the reason for this child just being absolutely awful right now but that is one of the beautiful things about a place like a dojo a community like that yes you're being taught how to how to you know do martial arts and that sort of stuff which is great but you're also getting taught how to be a good human that is as important well probably more important let's be completely fair when you have a kid like this mental scenes and um yeah kind of wish that kira was allowed just to batter her would have been good eh? you won't give me a key to your house that's fine i'll make one for myself This is actually an entitled grandparent story, but this lady has been involved in my upbringing since I was a child. And this woman hates me. To give some background, my grandmother is a hardcore Catholic former nun and was extremely strict with my dad and me. My dad got his 17-year-old girlfriend drunk and pregnant, which is obviously a huge no-no in the Catholic church. My grandma basically pressured my mum to convert to Catholicism and marry my dad, Later, they had two more kids. But because I was born out of wedlock, I am the black sheep. And not just by my grandma, my entire dad's side will never be happy with me and they hate me and my mum. For reference, I'm 24 and my sisters are 22 and 20. The youngest just moved out with her partner, but neither have jobs. And the middle one and her fiance are extremely financially irresponsible and live with my parents and just expect to have everything handed over to them. I'm out of the house with a professional job, married and have a child and have been doing really well for myself. 
Yeah, I'm the disappointment. My grandma was extremely strict and abusive specifically to me. She's yelled at me multiple times, calling me the child of the devil, a demon, etc. She's thrown stuff at my face for no reason, and I wasn't allowed to have any privacy at her house. I always had to have the bedroom door open. She would sit at the foot of my bed until I fell asleep. I had to spend every weekend and break from school with her until I started working at 15, and she would scream at me if I locked the bathroom door. You get the idea. She'd also threaten to call the cops if we didn't comply with her. And there were multiple instances where she would call the cops if we didn't answer our phones. Like she's called at 7 a.m. and 10 p.m. on separate occasions and I've woken up to cops knocking at my door. And yes, this has happened when I'm at home and also out of town where I didn't even tell her where I was staying. She is psycho. So on with the story. I actually just found out the other day that she did this. So that's why I'm sharing this now. Anyway, when I was 20, I decided to move out with a couple of friends. My grandma demanded that I give her a key to the duplex. I refused for multiple reasons. In the first place, I don't need my grandma being able to come over whenever she wants, especially since one of my roommates was my boyfriend. In the second place, we threw a lot of get-togethers, and I don't need her lecturing my friends that Dungeons and Dragons and anime and all that are tools of the devil and we need to all go to church with her. And in the third place, we'd all agree to not give out copies of our keys to any family members, and I'm not about to have my friend's privacy invaded as well because my grandma just can't handle not having control of every little part of my life. I mean, she still called multiple times every day and found excuses to try to come over as much as possible. And every time for the first couple of months, she kept demanding I give her a key to our place, and I kept refusing. Well, at one point, my youngest sister was spending the night, and my grandma dropped her off. We were going to go and do some shopping, but I couldn't find my keys. I'm looking everywhere, and I can't find them anywhere. So, my grandma offered to pick up what I needed to make dinner. I reluctantly agreed and went back to looking for my keys. They somehow were right on the bar. Now, I didn't think much of it at the time because I do stuff like that all the time, but my sister told me the full story. Apparently, the next day when my grandma picked her up, she bragged to her how she stole my keys when I wasn't looking and made herself a copy of the key so she can go inside whenever she wanted. Now, she's never barged in while I'm home, so I'm guessing she was coming in when no one was home and going through everything. And it's justified, you know, because she's just making sure we were making good Catholic choices. It also wouldn't be the first time she's gone through my stuff when I'm not home because she would do the same thing to me at my parents' house and then berate me if she found things she didn't like. Apparently, she's been trying to steal my keys for this house too, but she hasn't been able to figure out where I keep them. I keep my keys in our bedroom in the far back of the house and will not have my keys around her now for this exact reason. Well, you better hope that your grandma doesn't go on Reddit and r slash entitled parents in general. If she reads this post, you just disclose where you keep your keys. Terrible. But in all seriousness, uh, this woman is just absolutely mental. I wish there was a subreddit that was called like r slash mental grandparents or something. That is where this woman should go. Absolutely insane. Just leave your granddaughter alone. I mean, apart from the fact that this is absolutely insane, as I just said, it is also absolutely illegal. If she does this in the future and you catch her, I mean, look, you could even set up a hidden camera or just a camera in general to catch her doing this. Maybe get one of those doorbells. Go to the police. It is illegal. Like, it's trespassing. You cannot do this sort of thing 
even if it's your family member no one cares i mean to be fair i don't even think she needs to come back or go into your house with her key the fact that she's copied one of your keys is also illegal without your permission i mean tell the police if you care that much that's probably what i'd do to stop this crazy woman from coming into my house anyway what a weird start to the episode my parents don't like my boyfriend so they gave me an ultimatum i'm looking for experience and opinions all are welcome i'll try to make a long story short I am an only child and my current boyfriend and I have been dating for six years starting when I was 19 and he was 20 We met at junior college where we started dating and after that we went to different ucs but within an hour of each other My parents met him early on by joining us at dinner. Everything seemed to go well Then soon after we went to his parents house who live about two hours away from my parents so I could meet his family And after learning this, my mum told me how hurt she was that we didn't come to see them too. I expressed that this weekend was for me to meet his family, but it was clear that she felt almost betrayed. Fast forward, my parents invite me up to our cabin and my boyfriend joins. We take my car because it was already loaded with laundry, etc. After we arrive, my dad pulls me aside and pretty much quietly yells at me, how wrong it is that I drove and that we took my car. He's the man, he should be driving, blah, blah, blah. This started everything going forward on a sour note. The cabin is in Tahoe, it gets cold in the winter. So my boyfriend wore a sweatshirt with his hood up during some of the time at the cabin. My parents to this day cite this as weird and rude as well as a reason they don't like him for wearing a hoodie. Wow. As we continue our relationship, it's clear that my parents don't like him, but they can't really give up what I would call good or justifiable reasons. They'll say he's just not a good fit for the family. They don't tell me to stop dating him because they can't, I'm an adult, but they do tell me that I need to keep them and him separate. They don't want to really hear about him and he's not welcome at the house or cabin. By the way, he's never cheated on me, abused me, has no drug problems, nothing that a normal parent would cite as a problem. Eventually, it became an ultimatum given to me by my parents. They tell me that if you continue to date him, eventually it will be either him or us, and you'll have to choose. Among other things, they would tell me that he'd never be an attorney, which is what he wanted to do, and insinuating that he probably wouldn't be much of anything at all. After undergrad, I started working at a financial firm. He graduated from undergrad at UC Berkeley and was accepted to law school across the country. We were always very serious about each other and made the decision to do long distance until he graduated and moved back to California. My boyfriend has since graduated from law school, moved home and took the bar last month. He starts work this October and had a contract since last year. My parents have known about this as well. Now, six years into our relationship, I call my parents and tell them that we're going to be moving in together. About 20 minutes later, I get a text from my mum saying that she doesn't want to rain on my parade, but that this path excludes her and my dad from my future. That they love me, but they can't be in my life if I choose to be with my boyfriend. I told them I would never understand. Since then, they've sent me more and more text messages saying stuff like, we feel like we're losing our daughter. This is heartbreaking, etc. And all at the same time, including that this is my choice and my fault. I texted my parents that I thought my boyfriend and I should come over and talk. That texting about this kind of thing is stupid, but not to be patronized or belittled. And if it turned to screaming that we would leave. My parents then replied that they wanted to see me face to face to talk, but that my boyfriend isn't allowed. 
My boyfriend even called my father the night of the initial we can't be part of your life text to try and talk or meet up and see if there was a way to talk through any legitimate concerns. My dad did not answer and responded a week plus later, only to text him that they haven't really ever liked him, that he wants to work through it with me alone, and it's mine and my boyfriend's fault for not trying to address things earlier. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out who exactly are the parents and who are the children here. This is nuts. Among other ridiculous reasons, in inverted commas, to not like my boyfriend were, Berkeley isn't a man's college, my dad said. One time in college, my professor lost my final exam. And when I found out via my final grades and was frantically calling her to figure out what happened, my parents told my boyfriend, see, this is why we didn't want her to have a boyfriend in college. They found ways to blame him for everything. The only thing that ever had any merit was that he wasn't working yet. Well, this was because he was going to school to be a lawyer. Apparently, marrying someone who will make a lot of money is a bad thing? My boyfriend is the nicest, most calm, and peaceful person ever, and he loves me more than anything. But apparently, their pride is more important than being wrong and accepting him. I guess I'm just trying to figure out if this is normal, or if it's as wrong as it feels to my boyfriend and I. Well, it's definitely not normal. That is 100% for sure. I think what's going on here is that your parents just clearly don't like your boyfriend, who will eventually become your husband, and they're trying to come up with some ludicrous reason or excuse as to why they don't like him, when in reality, we have no idea why they don't like him. It just seems to us anyway, without too much context, that they're just petty. I don't know. Uh, who knows if you have any idea why op's parents just don't like her boyfriend get in the comments down below i might have missed something but op has actually said in an edit as well that the boyfriend and the parents are the same ethnicity they're the same race somewhat similar financial status so it's nothing as obvious as that it's just that they don't like him i don't know why but they don't i mean it's very embarrassing they're being completely unreasonable Surely, if your daughter loves someone so much, you'd be so supportive of them, right? And say, you know what, this is great. I'm so happy for you. And to be fair, your boyfriend sounds like a good person anyway, you know? Good job. You've said that he's very caring and loves you so much. Why don't they just like that? I don't understand it, but hey, this is Entitled Parents. The one thing I would say, and make sure you do this, is that if they're going to be like, yeah, okay, it's either us or him, Obviously, make sure you choose him. I know they're your parents, but like that should be an obvious decision, right? Now for our final entitled parent story of this episode. My sister attacked my wife and my mum is holding our financial documents hostage because of it. Hi, Reddit. This post is half to vents, but also half to check myself and make sure that I'm not going crazy. My wife and I are recently married, but have been together since December 2019. Ever since then, we've had nothing but problems with my family, particularly my mum and my one sister, as well as occasionally my brother, sister-in-law, and dad. My wife and I have talked multiple times in the past few years about whether we feel like it's gotten to the point of us needing to go no contact, but we haven't quite pulled the trigger yet. This past weekend, however, and the aftermath are having us seriously consider it. I guess I just need some advice. The background slash lead up. My wife and I were asked to help with a home project, painting, for my brother and sister-in-law's new house. The only supplies that were brought for said projects was one single paint sprayer and one single roll of painting tape, even though we had seven to nine people at various points who were there to help. More tape was later purchased. My wife, mum, sister-in-law, and I started taping up the parts that needed to be covered, and my brother started painting behind us. 
There wasn't a whole lot to tape, so once we were finished, there wasn't anything to do other than sit around and wait. Eventually, my sister starts painting, and my wife and I decide at around 7pm that it would probably be smart to try to order food for everyone. My wife is with one group on one side, talking about food orders, and I am on the other side with my mum and sister. My wife heard them yelling and was concerned, especially due to previous history, that something was happening, so she came over and asked what was going on. Here is a play-by-play of the conversation. My sister hands me the paint sprayer. Your turn. Oh, okay. Uh, I thought I was supposed to go and get food. Too bad. My mum then said, I did ask you to help paint. Well, I did help tape. Well, I didn't ask you to help tape. I asked you to help paint, didn't I? I suppose. Then my wife gets involved. What are you guys yelling about? Oh, we were just giving him some trash. Oh, okay. It just sounded like yelling. Then my sister starts screaming. He can talk to his family without you. It's none of your freaking business. Huh? Said my wife. You have no right to be a freaking C word to my mum. It's none of your business. And he can talk to his family without you around. I was just asking a question about my husband. Is there a problem with that? You don't get to talk to my mum like that, you female dog. Again, I was asking a simple question about my husband. My sister takes a couple of steps towards my wife. My wife walks towards my sister. My sister is literally centimeters from her face. My wife then places her hand on my sister's chest and tells her to back off. And then my sister started swinging. Basically, my sister started swinging at my wife and my wife put her hands up to block her face and accidentally hit my sister in the face. After this, I pulled my sister back and my wife stepped back. My sister was yelling things like, she freaking hit me, call the freaking cops, etc. After my sister eventually seemed to calm down, I let her go and she lunged at my wife again and this time got a hit in. I pulled her back again and then my brother and sister-in-law walk up and start yelling at my wife. My sister-in-law says that my wife is making them look like trash to their new neighbors and my brother tells us to get the F off his property. My mom started yelling at my wife, telling her that she was being a female dog and that she had no right to come at her, my mom, like that. Even though my wife hadn't even moved yet from the spot where she was standing. Fast forward. Over the past few days, we've gotten many text messages and phone calls. The gist of those is basically continuing to blame my wife and telling me that I am a terrible brother, son, and uncle. That's to my sister's kids who were also present for this entire scenario. Additionally, we need some old tax forms for some financial paperwork we need to fill out. And while my wife's parents sent those to us as soon as they were able, my parents are holding them hostage and flat out refusing to give them to us. I was told that I'd have to drive an hour to their house to retrieve them and have a conversation with my mum and that my wife was not welcome to this conversation. Additionally, that my wife is no longer welcome in their house. When we called and asked if my mum could please just email them to us, we need them. Her exact response was, maybe. Withholding our financial documents feels like it should be a last straw for me, but it's really hard and I want to make the right choice. Yeah, I don't know about this one. Guys, get in the comments down below. I want to hear what you think. But from my perspective, I don't think this is terribly bad. Just a falling out. Now, who knows? If this continues to happen again and again and again, and your wife just never feels comfortable around these people, then sure, you need to do something. But for now, I mean, just play it by ear. But as long as you get these forms, just give it some time, relax, uh, make sure they calm down, and things should be fine. 
I mean, it's a terrible thing to happen, like your wife getting assaulted. I'm not trying to say that it's not, but I don't think you need to suddenly go to the lengths of going no contact with your entire family or, or your mom or your sister just because this one thing happened. I get it from your wife's perspective. If she doesn't want to see these people ever again, I think that's fine. Um, but for your perspective, try and work it out. It is family after all. But yeah, let me know in the comments down below. Do you think I'm being too lenient? Because I can understand if some of you think that way. I mean, I will say that it has to be completely on your and your wife's terms, of course. I'm only saying that previous stuff if you guys are willing to, you know, accept it. I'm just saying you don't necessarily have to cut them off just for this one act. It's whether or not this has happened before or is going to happen again, potentially you think, and whether you get these forms back. I mean, I don't really know how this works legally, whether they have to give you this financial paperwork or not if they do then maybe it's becoming illegal i don't know so i can't really comment on that just with the with the personal stuff that happened yeah it's not good is it the more i think about it the more i feel like if your wife wants you to to never see them again maybe you gotta do it i don't know she did get hit by your sister but hey your family scraps happen sometimes in rare occurrences just because it happened doesn't mean you have to completely you know tear up the family but I wouldn't blame you if you did. My father-in-law had a meltdown because I proved he doesn't know his son. So me, a 34-year-old man, and my husband, who is 30, do our dangdest to not spend an abundance of time with my father-in-law. He is a cowardly narcissist who says hot dog unironically. Ever since I came into the picture almost seven years ago, we've simply not meshed. A great deal of that is due to the fact that I've spent those years instilling confidence and boundary setting in my husband. My father-in-law does not like being told no. We literally got kicked out of a restaurant one time because he couldn't accept that they wouldn't give him a discount. So, needless to say, our interactions are nothing more than the exchanging of fake pleasantries. Last week, we're over there for our quarterly visit. The way these evenings typically go is that my husband occupies my father-in-law while my mother-in-law tests out her new English vocabulary on me. This time, my husband is doing the bulk of the talking to both of them because he's excited about the new organization he's working with. My father-in-law keeps trying to change the subject because it's been two seconds since the subject of the conversation was about him. My husband and his mum both snap. I'm not entirely sure what they said as my Spanish is still terrible, but it amounted to them telling my father-in-law to shut the frick up and listen. He then gets obstinate and essentially tells my husband that no matter what the organization is, it will never compare to the work that he did in his youth. My father-in-law literally just hiked through Central America with a white savior complex until things got violent and he came back home. My husband understandably storms out with his mum hot on his tail. Awkwardness then ensues because I'm chuckling at my father-in-law. He never spoke to me like that until you came along, he said. I know. I'm so proud, I replied. You've changed him. No, this is who he's always been. You just never noticed it before. I know my son. Okay, what's his favorite color? What? What's his favorite color? It's the same one he had as a kid. My father-in-law said nothing. Fine, name two of his interests. What, they don't make any sense. Name them. Again, nothing. All right, here's an easy one. What is the name of the organization he's working with? Again, nothing. This wannabe Bob Ross granola-eating mofo couldn't answer. My husband said the name of the organization like five times that night. You want to know the sad part? I continue. My parents can answer each and every one of those questions and they've known your son a fraction of the time you have. Cue the screeching in Spanish. Being yelled at in a foreign language by a non-native speaker is a surreal experience. 
Obviously, my husband comes in and yells back and it blows up even more. But the part that stands out is the fact that my father-in-law still refused to admit that he just hadn't taken a genuine interest in my husband in years. Like, bruh, you don't even know your kid's favorite color? Hello? Now my husband is contemplating going no contact and I can't blame him. Well, there you go. I mean, the truth of the matter is that the truth hurts in every language, no matter which one you elect to use. So good. I mean, clearly this guy is just so self-centered. The fact that he can't even name the organization which his son works for is actually kind of mad, especially given that the entirety of that conversation has been about it and how proud he is and how interested he is in that organization. How self-centered must you be to not even think to, to listen at all to what your son's saying and just think to yourself probably, oh, can you just shut up? I wanna talk about myself and what I've done. And by the way, when I did a week of work, like 50 years ago, work, backpacking, hiking, whatever it is in Central America, it was so much better than my son's now permanent job which he does for a living i mean that makes sense it's actually crazy to be this jealous of your son and then also attack his husband because he's made him realize your dad's actually a horrible person you need to stand up to him good stuff now for our next entitled parent story entitled stepmother wants me to stop breastfeeding so some context here i am a 28 year old woman and i had my daughter ida three months ago My wife is a 35-year-old woman, Taylor. My stepmother is Mary, who is 45 years old. And my stepbrother is Tom, who is just 11. So Tom and I weren't close until I was pregnant. During the pregnancy, he became really interested in me and the baby and actually became quite clingy and needy of me. I felt weird about it. But when I tried to retreat, Mary and my dad said I was being cruel and miserable and I had the chance to be a good sister but was being selfish and rejecting him. Along with the pregnancy hormones, it made me feel guilty, so I let him still come round a lot. Now Taylor has a chilled attitude, so has kept calm and just said she wants what I want, even though he has become resentful of her. I made it clear that she was my wife and any disrespect to her would mean he had to leave. He became focused on my bump and was touching it all the time. Mary thinks he's autistic, but no doctor has ever diagnosed him. I had Ida three months ago, and she's the best baby ever. She's so perfect, and I've loved seeing my wife become a mother. She is a natural at it, and it's compounded our love for each other. I've decided to breastfeed and then pump so Taylor can use the bottle to feed as well. It's been going pretty smoothly, and honestly, it's something that allows us to bond with Ida. Often, Taylor will lay with me whilst I breastfeed and will spend time together with Ida sleeping on my chest. Apparently, Tom was very angry when he wasn't allowed into the hospital to see me or the baby. And he kicked off when we said that only my mum and mother-in-law were allowed over until two weeks postpartum. When they did come over, he kept touching Ida's face, even though we'd asked him not to as we are both in the medical profession, so don't want to expose our newborn to germs. When we had to get firm, Mary told us that we were being horrible to a child and needed to stop. I had to feed, so I went to the nursery, but Tom had followed me. And when I started feeding, he came in and watched before I realized he was there and then started asking me questions about breastfeeding. That was fine, of course, but he's been watching me feed whenever he comes over, when I don't realize. And then whenever he's been near me, he started saying, booby, and reaching for my boobs and saying he wants to try and it's unfair only Ida gets it. We've tried reminding him that he's a big boy and she's only a baby. But then last week, I woke up from a post-feeding nap to find him lying on top of me with his hands and face on my chest area. When we tried telling Mary and my dad that this was getting out of hand, 
She said we were discriminating against his autism and we just didn't understand that I was his special person that he focused on and that I should be honored. I told her it had to stop as I was uncomfortable. And Mary said if I wanted him to stop, then I would have to stop breastfeeding as it was cruel to tease him without. This is stupid, right? Now look, my boobs did get significantly bigger during my pregnancy and have stayed that way after giving birth, so I could see how he'd noticed them, but it still feels wrong. Uh, wow. I mean, first of all, what a story is all I can say about this one. My immediate kind of conclusion is that the parents are just not doing enough here, right? Mary is just not doing enough. I think we can all agree that yeah at 11 years old you don't have the common sense that, that an adult has and it's the mum's job to educate her son whether to do these sort of things or not now of course tom could have autism but if you're someone's mother and you think your child might have autism wouldn't you then go to a doctor and say i think my child might have autism i mean i don't know it's something like that right you need to go and actually have that diagnosed so you know for sure not just use the fact that your child might have autism as an excuse as to why they are doing this sort of weird stuff. Again, I don't blame Tom. I mean, whether he's autistic or not, I don't really care, to be fair. He's an 11-year-old kid who's just, you know, doing stuff that he wants to do without much thought. Yeah, I mean, 11 is bordering on the age where you should not be doing this sort of stuff, just on your on the back of your own kind of, you know, mind. But nonetheless, it's definitely on Mary to say, Tom, what are you doing, mate? And educate your son. Yeah, a terrible woman that's just saying, okay, well... I'm not going to educate my son. You're going to have to stop doing the most natural thing there is in the world. Breastfeeding. My father wants to reconnect with me after 20 years. My family gets mad at me when I refuse to talk to him. For background, my parents met in their late teens and soon had me. Three years later, they had my sister, Maria. When my sister was one year old and I was three years old, my parents got separated. They never got married because my father cheated on my mum with a woman who is over 20 years older than him from what I've been told and they're still together now. Growing up, mum never told me or my sister too much about my dad, John. I know that both his parents and his sister pretty much disowned him after he cheated on my mum, but they are irrelevant to this story. Now, Anna, our mum, never got full custody for us after that because she didn't know how. Back then, she didn't know what full custody meant. But John still was sending Anna 200 euros a month for each of us until we became 18. I soon moved after turning 18 to live with a friend and in 2021 moved to another country where I currently live. After that, I only kept little contact with my mum and almost none with my sister. Fast forward to the 31st of August. So three days before this post was made on my birthday, I get a call from an unknown number. I pick it up and the following conversation ensued. Hello, OP? Yes, who is this? It's me, John. I'm sorry, but I don't think I know you. I'm your dad. I'm sorry? How are you? Why did you call me? It's your birthday, right? Yes, it is. Well, happy birthday, OP. Again, why did you decide to call me now? Don't you have a new family? Yes, I'm married now, but I have no other kids other than you and Maria. At this point, I was in disbelief, so I ended the call. I couldn't understand why he decided to call me after 20 freaking years of no contact between us. He tried calling me again, but every time I ignored the call. The next day, mum called me. Hello? Why did you hang up on John? Mum, are you serious right now? Yes, he's changed now. He wants to have a son and daughter again. Well, I guess it's just a bit too late, don't you think? I'll stop being dumb and go talk to your father. No, you go talk to him if you want to. 
I've got nothing to talk about with that POS. After I said that, I hung up on her also. Both my mum, her side of the family, and also my sister have been blowing up my phone daily. I've already blocked some of them. He hurt us badly and everyone decided to forgive him out of nowhere for no apparent reason. I am not forgiving him. I'm thinking about cutting contact with the rest of my family if they keep defending him. A good father doesn't leave his children for 20 years and then out of nowhere decides that he is entitled to have a relationship with them. I'll keep you all updated on this. But for now, I'll be going no contact with them for a while. Honestly, guys, with this story, I don't really know who is worse. Your dad for for ditching you for 20 years and then just trying to get back in the mixer. I mean, ditching you for 20 years is something. Then saying, oh yeah, by the way, hi, how you been for the past two decades? What a relationship? Obviously not, you clown. Or everyone else that's seemingly allowing this crazy behavior and just is forgetting the fact that he cheated on your mum and then left 20 years ago without saying a word and hasn't been in contact for those 20 years. Why is your mum now saying, oh, come on, he's your dad after all? Well, no, yeah, biologically, but not really. Because what's he actually done that's that's been father-like in your entire life? I mean, literally nothing. Why is everyone allowing this behavior? I don't understand it. Guys, let me know in the comments down below. Can you advocate for this at all? I don't see the logic behind it one bit. I'm confused. Oh, wow. A comment has actually said, maybe he needs a kidney donor. I mean, yeah. Either that or money. Now that makes sense. I should have thought about that actually. And I reckon you lot have commented it down below. There it is. He's definitely after something. What exactly it is, we don't know, of course. But yeah, he's definitely after something from you. That's for sure. Stay away. I mean, you're clearly going to do that anyway, but stay away. And now for our final story of this episode. Making my senior parents homeless. I am a 30-year-old woman. And me and my father, who is 64, have historically had a rocky relationship. My parents divorced when I was five and he married the woman he cheated on my mother with. I was an only child and she had four kids from a previous marriage. During my childhood years, I spent most of the allocated time dedicated to my father in the divorce with my paternal grandparents. Every two weeks and 42 days in the summer, they lived in a different state. I cherished the time I had with them and they would always go to bat for me. There was some tension caused early in my dad's new marriage due to my stepmom demanding that my grandparents go back to the store one Christmas and get equal amounts of gifts for all her children. Even taking some from me, gifting them to her youngest. I spent many times waiting on my mum's sofa for my dad to pick me up and he never did. I'd later find out he was on family vacations with his new family. Look, I could spend all day telling Cinderella stories, but I need to keep focus on this story. My grandparents picked up his slack. We spent summers learning how to make baskets, gardening, camping, and various different activities. Their home was a second home to me. When I was 13, I went to go and live with my dad after some methodical brainwashing, and I then would rarely see my grandparents. My grandma would call and they'd ignore it. It would hurt my heart to see it on the caller ID, knowing they were just on the other line, but my dad and stepmom would not allow it unless I sat at a table with them while on the call. So fast forward to summer of my freshman year, we went to visit my dad's side of the family. On the last night, my aunt and uncle who lived next door asked if I could stay the night with my cousins. My stepmom wanted her youngest daughter to be included. They declined because my stepsister was actually a thief. A fight then ensued in the front yard that night, resulting in physical altercations. My stepmother shoved my 74-year-old pap to the ground. He had a hip replacement in the 90s and already had a stiff walk. 
I was utterly terrified and distraught. As the chaos ensued, I packed my belongings because they said we were leaving. I vowed then that this would be the last straw and I would never forgive them. We missed their 50th wedding anniversary because my stepmom was still upset over what his family did to her that night. The next spring, my pap had a stroke and it was never the same. The man that helped raise me during his son's shortcomings didn't remember my name. He died in 2014. Later, I left home when I was 18 to go to college, where I met my husband. He's been my rock and helped when my dad throws fits in the last few years when he doesn't get his way. He showed me nothing but unconditional love and support and is the father to our child mine never could muster to be. I go no contact with my dad every couple of years because of his behavior. There's an old saying that time heals all wounds, but I don't believe that to always be true. I maintained a relationship with my mammy, my paternal grandmother, until her death in December. She was a cheeky one who left notes for us to find after death. The woman never forgot a thing when she felt slighted, and that also reflected in her will. So I inherit the house that's been deeded to me since 2001. My dad knew they'd give it to me, but I honestly think he thought he had a chance of fighting me for it. Since 2012, he and my stepmom have been living in an RV that is now starting to fall apart. He is retired military and has no savings. Right after the funeral, he stashed his belongings in closets. I discovered this after I changed the locks and added cameras as I live out of state and wanted security for the home before I sell my house and move into my childhood home. I put his stuff and what was owed to him in storage and my uncle gave him the keys. After learning this, he's been furious. My step-siblings keep reaching out telling me I'm heartless for keeping him out of his parents' home. He called crying and I coldly told him that if they wanted him to have it, they would have left it to him. I also told him he should have treated his parents better when they were alive. I have the deed in my hands and there's nothing left for him to do about it. The estate is almost settled and what land he does get will also have my name on the deed i would rather share my childhood home with my daughter and all the whimsical things it had to offer even if my dad ends up homeless i mean there we go Uh, that sentence alone does sound pretty tough isn't it even if my dad ends up homeless but given everything that i've just read there yeah it makes sense and i can't argue with that at all um if anything let his stepkids take care of them. I mean, these guys are just ugh, horrible, aren't they? Your dad and your stepmom. Just, again, another pair of horrible entitled parents. Look, ultimately, he cared way more for your stepmom and her kids than he ever cared for your mum and you. So he's made his bed. Got a lie on it. Well, to be fair, it might be quite tough if he's homeless and doesn't have a bed, but that is on him. Entitled sister-in-law wants custody of my baby. First of all, some background. I am a 36-year-old woman and my sister-in-law is 40 years old. I've been married to her brother for over 10 years and there's always been some jealousy and resentment from her. She's always felt like I had the life she wanted, not necessarily with her brother, but the marriage, family, job stability, etc. I have three kids, a 10-year-old girl, an eight-year-old boy, and a three-month-old girl as well. She got married last year and they decided to start trying for a baby but she was unfortunately told that she can't have children naturally. She was, understandably, devastated, and the family comforted her as best we could. We recently had a family dinner, and in the middle of it, she says, OP, I think it's really unfair that you got to have three kids, and I can't have any. Your baby is my last chance to raise a child, so I think you should give her to me during the week so I can create a motherly bond with her, and you can have her on weekends. Now, before I could respond, 
the entire table erupted with everyone talking at once So I took my older kids upstairs when I got back to the dining room Her husband was asking what the heck is wrong with her and why would she even think to ask that? She was trying to justify herself when I asked them to leave I also said that she's no longer welcome at my house or around my children until she gets help She started screaming that I don't deserve my life or my children and that I stole her baby from her Her husband and my mother-in-law kept apologizing and dragged her out of the house still crying and screaming Now my kids want to know why their aunt wants to take the baby Now opie has also added a few points onto the end here one We have a security system and cameras already installed and nobody else has keys to our house Wow, I guess thinking about whether this aunt comes and tries to actually steal her kid Number two, I will not be able to get a restraining order as this one incident isn't enough to justify it Three, my husband and I spoke to the older kids about it the same night And will be having another talk with them to reinforce that my sister-in-law is not a safe person anymore Four, our country does not have the right to bear arms and I also have no interest in getting a gun And finally five, i'll be informing the school and daycare of the issue and giving them her photo Now for those questioning the validity of the post I completely understand says op if i'd heard about this last week I wouldn't believe it either, but it's unfortunately the situation that i'm currently dealing with Well, there we go a crazy situation to start off today's episode But thankfully we actually have an update. This was posted just a couple of weeks after the original Here we go. So my sister-in-law has been admitted to a psychiatric facility in the comments of my previous post I mentioned that her husband was seeking out counseling for them to deal with the infertility prior to this incident After the incident he sought out a psychiatrist rather than a counselor and they had their first session last week I didn't get the specifics of what happened But basically she made some statements that the psychiatrist felt indicated that she was a danger to others Namely my baby and me and she was placed under involuntary holds My brother-in-law has been nothing but apologetic through this entire ordeal and he kept her away from us since the incident My mother-in-law has been staying with them to keep an eye on my sister-in-law She tried to leave the house in the middle of the night to see her baby Also, my brother-in-law found her researching how to induce lactation And she said it was to make sure she can feed the baby properly when I come to my senses and give her up From what my brother-in-law has said seeing me breastfeed is apparently what triggered the entire episode It was the first time my sister-in-law was around the baby for any length of time And she was holding her when she got fussy because she was hungry Naturally, I took her to feed her and this made her feel inadequate because it triggered the thought that she would never be able to do that Which led to the events of the last post I'm grateful for all the advice that was offered on my last post as some of it was really helpful We won't be moving as it's not feasible for us at the moment But we have taken extra steps with security both at home and at the kids school and daycare This whole thing is taking a toll on the family But my mother-in-law father-in-law and brother-in-law are taking care of my sister-in-law And my husband and I are focused on ensuring the safety of our immediate family and minimizing the effect on the kids as much as we can well there we go no time to warm up in this one guys uh straight into the thick of it with someone that is just 
completely mental. Let's be honest. I don't honestly know if this counts as entitled because clearly this woman is dealing with a whole host of issues here. And to be honest, some of it does make sense. I mean, if you are someone that really wanted to have kids and start a family and, and you learn that you can't do that naturally anyway, that's gonna be devastating. So in part, I kind of understand why she's gone down this sort of road and she does clearly need psychiatric help. However, it's still crazy. Like it doesn't take away from the fact that what she's asking is ridiculous it's mental i hope she gets the help that she so very clearly needs and, and comes to her senses and realizes that yeah although she's in a terrible situation you can't just randomly have custody of someone else's kid but yeah i don't think it's, it's it's that entitled to be honest i just think she needs some help all right now for our second entitled people story couple took our insta worthy hot chocolate by mistake i am a 42 year old woman and i live in copenhagen but the rest of my family does not so my sisters like to come visit for a few days every now and then to hang out and enjoy some sightseeing and good food This happened in december 2019 So before 2020 which means lots of people everywhere and no restrictions of any kind My little sister who is now 38 was here for a christmas visit in december And we were enjoying the lights the sights and some lovely christmassy delights It was a cold day and we decided that we would visit a smallish cafe that makes really tasty and very beautiful all things chocolate and have some of their seasonal hot chocolate, which was kind of pricey, but well worth the price tag. It was a salt caramel and clementine hot chocolate, lavishly decorated by the way. You could get two to three kinds of pretty but regular hot chocolates too, but this one was their Instagram hot chocolate, if you know what I mean. My sister finds us a table and I get in line to order two of these chocolate wonders. There's a bit of a queue, but it moves along fairly quickly. I get to the counter, order, and the chocolate goddess at the counter asks me my very feminine name to call when my order is up and informs me that it will be about 10 minutes. I go and sit down and wait with my sister at the other end of the cafe, but very much still within hearing distance. So just about 10 minutes later, the male half of a couple orders and goes to sit down with his girlfriend, two tables away from the counter, at the same time that my name is called. Now, I cannot see their table as it's behind me, but my sister told me later that the girlfriend pointed at our chocolates immediately and the man more or less sprinted up to get them when the woman, who made the hot heavenly drinks, had her back turned. I walk up there and my drinks are, of course, gone. One of the chocolate goddesses comes over with the next order and calls a name. I asked where the order for my name is and she said that when she looked over her shoulder to check, she assumed that I'd gotten them because they were gone. A chocolate god interjected that he saw a man take my order and pointed to the table with the thieving couple who were busy taking lots and lots of photos of the drinks. The goddess went over with me in tow and asked what they'd ordered. They had ordered regular hot chocolates, but the girlfriend had wanted these when she saw them in all their glory just sitting on the counter with no one to claim them for at least five minutes. And so she thought it didn't matter if they took them instead. They were unclaimed for five friggin' seconds, lady. The goddess explained that the drinks were not theirs and to wait for their order. No, they are ours now, the girlfriend claimed and pulled the finder's keeper's card, all while looking triumphantly at me. The goddess asked the guy which name he gave at the counter and he claimed he gave the same as my name, hence the mix-up. So I asked him what name was called then. Surprise, surprise, he couldn't answer. Now his girlfriend's getting upset and is sat there saying, no, 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 over and over again, 
while the guy asked if I could just not order new ones. Since clearly they'd made a mistake and their drinks were already on their table. Why? So you can steal those too? The goddess asked if I wanted those specific two drinks or could she maybe make me some new ones? I asked if the couple would be allowed to keep the mouth-watering morsels of goodness if I wanted new ones and she said yes. Well, then of course I wanted those specific drinks and now the girlfriend was visibly crying. The goddess took the drinks away and gave them to me. As we were walking away, I inspected the drinks and told her she'd better pour these away and make new ones because one, they were now cold and two, there were tears in one of them. And though I enjoy salt caramel, this level of salt was a bit much. She grinned and took them away and made me new ones that were served at the table. My sister and I agreed that these were the best hot chocolates we've ever had. We enjoyed them loudly while the thieving couple stared daggers at us. And there we go. Unlike the woman in the first story who I thought, to be honest, was a little bit more kind of mentally ill than uh, than entitled. Although she still was entitled, don't get me wrong. These two are just entitled. Simple as that. You know what? I've been to I've been to Copenhagen, right? And look, it is an expensive town. It is an expensive city. But surely, if you're getting one hot chocolate, you can afford to pay a couple of whatever it's called. Is it Krona? I don't know. I've got that wrong. Maybe a couple of Krona more for one that's slightly more Instagram worthy rather than stealing it. What is the point of that? It just doesn't make any sense to me. That right there is the definition of entitled when it's not even really in your interest to do something. You're just doing it because you're entitled. Simple as that. Entitled friend Fs around and finds out. I've known Colette for over a decade. She has kids from a previous relationship and is one of those obnoxious parents. The kind who honestly believes her toddlers are perfectly behaved angels who can be taken anywhere and never cause any upset. She is completely delusional and thinks her kids never cry or have emotions other than sunshine and maturity beyond their years. Correct me if I'm wrong, but kids who are like that tend to be that way due to fear of consequences painful consequences. Now, Colette isn't the greatest human, but she also doesn't abuse her kids. She is actually on the other end of the spectrum and spores them rotten. Earlier this year, she married a single dad. This put a strain on our relationship because I wouldn't listen to her badmouth her stepson, who I'll call Caleb, age seven years old. Caleb is on the spectrum and has some issues with impulse control and emotional regulation. He's in therapy for that, but Colette hates him regardless. I could endure listening to her delusions about how perfect she thinks her kids are, but shut her down for the nasty things she tried to say about Caleb. What remained of our friendship broke entirely a few months ago. That was when Caleb's mum said that she needed a break and that his dad needed to step up. Colette lost her mind. I'll let your imaginations fill in the blanks for all the ableist and hateful trash that she vomited. I told her she should have known this was a possibility. Isn't it obvious that if you date someone with minor children, you have to be prepared that they could be a full-time responsibility? Colette screamed that of course she knew, but that only applied if Caleb's mother died. It wasn't fair that she ruined Colette's fairy tale romance where her new husband stepped in as dad for her kids and Caleb was someone else's problem. I heard through the grapevine that Colette is getting divorced. Apparently, she told her husband that her kids are perfect, his isn't, and he has to choose. The better family they created, her, her two kids and him, all the out of control brat even his ex doesn't want anymore. He chose Caleb. Knowing Colette, she's probably angry at everyone but the person who actually caused the mess, herself. Oh, actually so good. I love that in this stupid woman's mind, she actually thought that this dad was gonna choose her and her family 
over his own child. What a stupid ultimatum to give someone. But are you an idiot? Yes. I will say good on the husband and also good on Kayla for getting away from this entitled absolute you know what. But but still, um, you got to question why this man's marrying her in the first place, ultimately. Maybe she wasn't like that at the start. But uh, yeah, he's, he's seemingly not seen from afar or from close that she's an absolute cow. I mean, Jesus, choose me and my family or your autistic son. You are odd. And now for our final entitled people story of this episode. Entitled son at hospital. In a previous life, I was a nurse and one story always sticks in my mind. I was on a discharge ward, juggling lots of patients trying to get home. Some by ambulance, but the majority had to rely on relatives to come and collect them. Most relatives were fine with this, but the occasional ones made it very clear that collecting their relative was an inconvenience. We had an elderly lady come down to the unit to wait one day. She was a sweetheart and we got on like a house on fire. I kept an eye on her throughout the day and ensured that she had food and drinks. She kept apologizing for being an inconvenience to us. She told us that her son was very busy and important and reading between the lines, it turned out that he rarely spent any time with her. He's so busy all the time, she said. I don't like to be a nuisance. She had been previously widowed and there were no other children or other relatives that she could call on. It sounded like she led a lonely life, trying to be as independent as possible. This was her first time staying in hospital. As the day wore on, I could hear the increasingly desperate phone calls she was making to him trying to get collected. It wasn't hard to overhear him shouting down the phone at her that he was busy. Eventually, just before we were due to close, she called me over with an embarrassed face. He's here, she said. Oh, good, I said. Is he on his way in? Her face reddened and she said, he's waiting in the car and told me to get to him but I don't think I can walk that far. She looked exhausted and like she wanted to cry. Give me a sec and I'll take you to him, I said. I grabbed a wheelchair and while she nipped the loo, I tucked a packet of sandwiches and crisps in her bag as I didn't trust that he was going to look after her at home either. We got down to the entrance and she pointed out a supercar. I can't remember the type. I saw the boot open, but no one emerged from the car. I pushed her to the door and heard a gruff, get in, from the guy in the driver's seat. I helped the lady into the car, carrying on a cheery conversation to help cover her embarrassment, but also to make a point to the son. He didn't say a word or move a muscle as I wrestled with the wheelchair and his mother and deposited her things in the boot. I said goodbye to the lady and he closed the boot with a button, revved the engine in apparent impatience, and roared out of the car park. It's not a very interesting story and there was no comeuppance for the son, but even 20 years later, I often think about that lady and wonder how she got on. I know that we don't always know what's going on in anyone's lives, but he seemed so hard on her. Oh my word, what a poor, poor lady. I I just don't like to see this sort of thing. This guy is a terrible, terrible bloke. And yes, we don't know the inner workings of his relationship with his mum, but still, awful, awful bloke. I mean, at least open, like, get out of the car. Go inside, you know? Collect your mother, who is who is ill. I hope that when she passes on, I mean, she probably has now, 20 years on, she gave all her all her money, all her, you know, estate to charity and not her absolute clown of a son. And I also hope, not only, that when her son dies, um, there's no one by his side, no one uh, by him, you know, in the hospital saying, oh my God, I'm going to miss you so much because no one cares, he's a horrible person. But secondly, that he dies soon. Ideally, before his own mother. But, um, you know, maybe that's a little bit too harsh. Entitled Kid tries sending his police officer dad after me in a pro-revenge attempt. 
his plan backfires. From the mid-90s through early 2000s, I've spent my summers working as a counselor at a Boy Scout summer camp. I've worked in several different program areas, but this story happened when I was the director of the rifle range. Every week, we would get a new group of campers, and when they came up to the range for orientation, I would go over all the safety rules. I would finish by telling the kids, you all get one warning on this range, and this is the warning. There are only two safe directions to point your rifles, up in the air or down range. It doesn't matter if your gun is loaded or unloaded. If you break this rule and deliberately point your rifle in any other direction, you will be kicked off this range and will not be allowed to shoot here for the rest of the week. I would go over all of these rules again for the kids on the first day of merit badge classes to satisfy the safety rule requirements for the badge. And there were plenty of posters hanging around the range with all of the safety rules on them. In other words, there were no excuses to break them. One day, the scouts in my merit badge class were practicing shooting for the test they had to take at the end of the week. One scout, the entitled kid of this story, thought it would be funny to point his rifle at another scout and spout off some random action movie line. I ran up and snatched the rifle from his hands and yelled, what the heck are you doing? The entitled scout responds, but, but, but the gun wasn't loaded. Recite the safety rules now. The entitled scout recited them all, including the part about pointing the gun in an unsafe direction. I told him to hand over his shooting ticket. I tore it in half and said he was done on my range for the rest of the week. Later that afternoon, the range was open for free shooting. Everything was going smoothly until I noticed the entitled scout walking up the trail towards the range with his father, an assistant scout master who was built like an NFL linebacker. After the round of shooting ended, I called a ceasefire and told my assistant to keep an eye on the range while I handled the situation that was about to happen. As I approached the entitled scout and his father, he jumped up and down, pointed at me and yelled, that's him. He's the one who tore up my ticket and kicked me off the range. You're going to get it now. My dad's a cop and you're going to be sorry for what you did. Before I could get a word out, Cop dad gets in my face and started chewing my butt out, drill sergeant style. Now, this story happened so long ago that I don't remember exactly what cop dad was shouting. I mostly remembered the poop-eating grin the entitled scout gave me as he watched his father tear me a new one. I just stood there quietly and patiently, waiting for my turn to respond. Finally, cop dad said something along the lines of, So, what do you have to say for yourself? Yes, I did tear up your son's shooting ticket and I kicked him off my range, I replied. But did your son mention why I did that? Cop dad's face went from angry to inquisitive. He blinked in rapid succession as he said, No, no, now that you mention it, he didn't tell me why. We both turned our attention to the entitled scout. His smile faded and he shrunk in our presence as he realized that his plan had just backfired. I loved returning the same poop-eating grin that he gave me a few moments earlier. To the entitled scout's credit, he did tell the truth. He probably knew better than to lie to cop dad. And if looks could kill, the look on cop dad's face would have killed his son several times over. After a moment of silence, he finally said, in one of the most intimidating voices I've ever heard in my life, Go back to camp and wait for me at your tent. I'll deal with you soon. The entitled scout left to the tune of Dead Man Walking. Cop dad turned to me and apologized for getting angry and chewing my butt out before knowing all the facts, to which I accepted his apology. For the rest of the week, cop dad would come to the range every day during open shoot, shoot my rifles, and would hang out and talk with me. Turned out he was actually a pretty cool guy. At the end of the week, he told me that when they got home, 
he will finish his son's rifle shooting merit badge and he'll make sure that his son will never disrespect a firearm ever again. You know what? I actually rate this dad quite a lot. How many stories have we seen over the years now of entitled parents just doing exactly what their kid says or not even listening to, to any other context or anyone else involved just saying, oh no, my angel is in trouble, therefore I'm going to completely take their side. But to be fair to this dad, once he actually learned the context of what had actually happened, he switched. Good man. I mean, let's be completely honest. This is very, very serious. It's a very, very serious situation. Even if the gun wasn't loaded. I mean, who really cares? Who knows, right? First of all, it definitely could have been. Second of all, it's just a terrible thing to do anyway. Especially given the fact that he knows the rules, but is just probably trying to show off. Yeah, his dad needs to let him know to never do that again. But once again, fair play to the dad for not just completely going crazy at you when you realize what had actually happened. Entitled ex-landlord demands I leave behind the washer and dryer I paid for. So for the past two years, I, a 25-year-old man, lived in a small apartment building. The apartment didn't have a laundry room for the building when I moved in, but it did come with hookups for a washer and dryer in the apartment. So I bought them myself because I work for a wildlife sanctuary and I get pretty dirty during my work. Just the other day, I had to chase down and wrestle one of our wild boars, Bacon. We didn't name him that, he came with that name. Who loves to escape his pen and thinks it's funny to play chase. I got completely dirty. I was covered in grass stains and mud, so I very much need a washer and dryer. My boyfriend and I just got engaged, and since my lease was up, I moved into his house with him. I finished moving everything out of my old apartment yesterday, and I thought nothing about taking my washer and dryer with me as I had bought them. My boyfriend also had some, but they were old and kept breaking down and just cost too much to have fixed. Well, I woke up this morning to multiple missed calls from my old landlord. I left my phone number and new address in case any mail was delivered to my old place. I called him back, And he asked me why the washer and dryer was gone. I explained that I took them with me. He started freaking out, saying that he'd put that the place had a washer and dryer in the ad for the place. Apparently, I have raised the rent due to having those. He started demanding that I bring them back because the new clients that he set up to move in had already signed the lease, but they're not interested in the place without the washer and dryer. He even threatened to call the police if I don't take them back. I got angry and told him that I would do no such thing, reminding him that they belong to me. I bought them and I still have the receipts from when I bought them, as well as a text from him when I moved, explaining that I was buying them myself. He again though threatened to call the police. I told him to do it and see what happened and I hung up at that point. Personally, I don't think I'm in the wrong. I bought them and they weren't cheap, so I feel I have the right to take them. My boyfriend is on my side, but today a coworker of mine said they think that I'm the jerk for not telling the landlord that I was going to take them. In my opinion, that should have been obvious. I pay for them, why would I leave them? Well, my landlord went through with calling the police because the next day they showed up. Honestly, nothing really noteworthy happened. I explained to them what was going on and I showed them the receipt for the washer and dryer as well as a text from the landlord that I had from when I told him I was buying them. The cops took my statement and left. My boyfriend's father is a lawyer and he's going to be contacting my landlord and sorting everything out. He advised me not to respond to said landlord anymore for the time being. Yeah, this is completely and utterly ridiculous. And to be honest, I actually understand why the landlord is so angry because he knows he's clearly effed up here. 
if he genuinely thought for some stupid reason that you were going to leave the washer and dryer, then it does make sense to advertise the place as having a washer and dryer. And then, yeah, you can probably raise the rent a little bit due to having those appliances. But why has he done that in the first place? It's so dumb. He's messed up so badly. Now he's realized it and he's coming after you just to try and intimidate you, I guess, into letting him keep the washer and dryer. But, you know, as you said, they are legally yours. You bought them with your own money. You can obviously do what you want with them and you have the receipts. Simple enough. You shouldn't even need a lawyer here. Just, you know, you gave the police the statement and you showed them the receipts. You're completely fine. The landlord, though, is an absolute clown. Patient's boyfriend is mad that he has to pick up his own Uber Eats. I work in a high-level hospital as an ICU nurse and my managers are fantastic with staffing. Meaning, if you have a crashing, heavy workload patient, they'll make the other patient you have an easier one so you can focus on the sick one. For background, ICU nurses have two patients and we specialize in critical thinking. Whereas the telefloor is the normal part of the hospital that people think about and holds less sick people who don't need as much attention. So these nurses have six patients and specialize in tasks and prioritization. So the beginning of my shift after report, I show my face and say hi to my less sick patient who is doing fantastically and is just waiting for transport to take her to her telly bed. I say I'll be back at around 9 p.m. in two hours unless she needs me for something. So this gives me time to stabilize the sick patient next door. Unfortunately, the sick patient in room one starts coding and the team is actively doing CPR crash cart in the hallway three docs here the whole team trying to save this young dude my team is working on meds intubating keeping compressions going etc while i'm talking with doctors about what could have caused it and i'm halfway outside the room for the healthier patient in room two she sees me through the window presses the cool light and i ignore it because i have what should have been obviously very pressing matters her boyfriend ends up opening the door and standing in the doorway to just stare at me with his arms crossed. Just to give him the benefit of the doubt that she could be concerned about her health, I say, is everything all right? And he goes, hmm, and tries to lead me inside. Of course, I only pay attention to him when the docs go into room one to brainstorm on their own and assess where to go if we get the guy back. I look back through the window of room one and realize I can give them five seconds to make sure nothing funky is going on. So she says, can you get my Uber Eats order? It just said it arrived downstairs. I swear I could have had a stroke from high blood pressure at that moment. So I kindly say, I'm sorry, I'm busy with another critical patient. Could you? I looked at the boyfriend who's plopped in the recliner with his feet up, watching Netflix again on his phone. Go and get it for her. And he goes, I'd rather not. Oh, oh, good, sir. You don't want to? You saw the mess next door through the window. Me talking seriously with three docs and the hot mess of people outside your room as we try to save a dang life. So I tell him, I can't. The entire team is actively trying to save someone and none of us are available to leave. So either you get it or I can have someone get saltines for you instead. He sighs, gets up slowly and then says, fine, I guess I'll go get it then as I turn to head back into room one. The dude literally has to turn his shoulders to slide through the massive group of people. Still angry, he has to take one elevator down. When they get moved to another room at around 10 p.m., he's speaking loudly on the phone to someone, saying things like the nurses are rude, they won't even get food for their patients, etc. The icing on the cake? 
She had just gotten off an insulin drip for being in a diabetic coma. Never met a more entitled person who put having to walk and get their own food delivery above someone else's life. Well, there it is. That is definitely the most ludicrous story that we've had on this episode so far. I mean, that is an absolute disgrace. I don't even care, right? And I, and I don't mean this in a rude way to the guy that was obviously in a very life-threatening condition. I don't care if somebody is in a life-threatening condition. You can't ask a nurse at any hospital ever to go and get your food for you that you've ordered. That is just so dumb. Even if they're dealing with, with just, you know, standard patients that are sick enough to be in hospital but are doing fine. Why would you ever ask a nurse to do that? Unless you are literally on your own with no one else around to help you and perhaps you've pre-agreed with them that you're going to order some food. Could someone go and get it for you? Ideally, not a nurse then it's fine. But if you've got someone there in the room as well and they can't be bothered to go downstairs and get you your food, what? What's the point? And also, why are they even there in the first place? Are they not there to kind of give you support, look after you when you're in hospital? Go and get your food perhaps that you've ordered? Who knows? Absolutely crazy. Get your comments down below for that one, guys. Just insane. Now for our final story of this episode. This one I'm looking forward to. Thanks to Reddit, I stood up to an entitled Karen. What a title that is. I've been following various communities on Reddit for a few years now. To name a few, r slash am I the jerk, entitled parents, and of course, r slash entitled people, as well as the website, not always right. Wondering if people like that really exist or if it was mostly creative writing. I also wondered how I would react if I ever witnessed something like that myself. Well, now I know. A few weeks ago, on a bright Sunday morning, I was on my way to the zoo with my daughter, who is two, and my niece, who is two and a half. I stopped by the grocery store for a picnic. I don't know what it's like where you live, but here, foods and drinks and amusement parks and other places are far too expensive. Yes, that is true in England and America, to be fair. I had the girls in the trolley and got in line to the cashier. The lines were long, but hey, life, right? The cashier was doing her thing while chatting with the clients, and I was minding my own business talking with the kids and patiently waiting. Suddenly, I hear shouting and see an irate woman yelling at the poor cashier who was visibly getting more and more upset. The client, an older woman with no distinctive features, was yelling like a banshee because the cashier dared to wish a good day to the previous client and basically be nice and friendly. And because of that, our dear Karen was running late. Again, it was around 10.30 to 11 on a Sunday morning. FFS. That's when I remembered all those stories. Those poor workers who were basically not allowed to talk back and have to take the abuse. And I decided to intervene. I have a very strong voice that carries loud when I want to. I asked loud enough for the entire store to hear, what the heck is your problem? What kind of behavior is that? I think the Karen was not expecting someone to dare to stop her tirade. She recovered and tried replying. I stopped her and told her that she was the only one holding back the line and that the cashier was doing her job and doing it well. In the meantime, the manager had arrived and had replaced the cashier, who was crying, with another worker and came to ask what was going on. Karen starts again. I let her rant for a few seconds and then gave my version of what happened in the most calm and sane voice possible. Let me tell you, Karen was fuming and started complaining again about the cashier being slow because she was chatting nicely with the customers. By then, her grocery was finished being rung and the manager asked her to pay and leave. This might not be the best climax compared to all the other stories I've read here. And if you've read so far, I hope that if you also encounter this type of entitlement, you will also remember all these Reddit stories and decide to act. Thanks for reading mine. Well, there we go. If you thought that 
me reading out all these stories every day was pointless, then you're wrong, as we can see. I jest, of course, but you know, maybe, maybe that is the learning from all of us here. You know, if you see someone that's actively doing or wronging someone and there's no reason for it, jump in. We've seen so many stories, again, over the years, where people haven't done that. And it's a shame, isn't it? Because just one little act of intervention, like we've seen here from OP, can, can have a massive, massive difference. Who knows? This woman, right, having a lovely day, this cashier, she could have really thought to herself, you know what, I'm done with this. If it's going to take just one person to ruin my day like that and cause me to cry, I don't want to do this anymore. But who knows? You jumping in may have made her thought, yeah. There are people like that that are always going to be in the world and are going to be horrible. But if the majority of people are lovely and like chatting to me, and then people like UOP will come to my aid and my rescue, when that does happen, maybe it's all good. And uh, we can just deal with these sort of people together. So yeah, you know what? I've learned a valuable lesson. Next time I see someone like this, I'm getting involved. That is for sure. Entitled sister-in-law tries to take credit for large cancer fundraiser donation. So context. My mother has a friend that has terminal cancer. She got diagnosed about a year or so ago and it recently went terminal. She only has a few months left. So her friends and family decided to have a fundraiser in her honor to help cover medical slash afterlife slash bucket list costs as well as help the family out after she passes. This lady is an amazing person. Everyone in town knows and loves her. She's a hairdresser and has been doing my mum's hair for ages. My mum has been a big part of the planning and fundraising for this event. There are a handful of this woman's friends and family taking part in it. However, most of them live an hour or so away. So the businesses and people they are getting donations from are not in our town and they don't know anyone. So my mum took it upon herself to call dang near every business in town. Family owned shops and restaurants, chain shops and restaurants, travel agencies, insurance agencies, big places of employment, etc., as well as donations from the general public. She even got our local Walmart to donate. She's gotten everything from small items, gift cards, whole baskets, massages, discounts. She even got our local airport to donate two 30-minute airplane rides around our country. That is phenomenal. And the latest place to donate was our bowling alley. The guy who runs and owns the place is amazing. He also coaches both our high school bowling teams. When my mum called him, he said that he's gonna take a bit to think about what to donate because he wants to do something other than just a free bowl or two. He ended up ordering two new bowling balls and is donating them along with two one hour bowling parties for 10 bowlers. That's like a $400 donation overall, at least. So anyway, he told her last week when he called to confirm what he's donating to call back in a week today to check if it's in and if she can come and pick it up. She's been posting thanks on Facebook for the donators and telling them what they've donated to kind of give a peek at what the auction baskets will include. So she called today to ask if it's in and if and when she can pick it up. She was informed then that someone already had. My mum was not made aware that someone else was picking it up. She posted about the donation on Facebook and added in the group chat that they have for their friends and family. No one outside of that chat knew that she hadn't picked them up yet. So she messaged them all asking if one of them had grabbed it and forgot to tell her, but they had no clue what she was talking about. We thought maybe some jack wagon saw the post and decided to take it for themselves. I called the owner and asked if he knew who picked the stuff up and he said, Janet. He said that since she was family, he thought that we'd sent her. My mum texted the group chat asking if anyone knew who she was. And it turns out that she is the woman's husband's sister. 
the sister is not in any of the group chats and hasn't attended any of the meetings regarding the fundraiser or the planning. The woman's daughter is in the group chat and is very active in the planning and the fundraising. She called her mum and asked if she heard from the sister and if she's seen the bowling balls or certificates and her mum said that the sister had actually brought them to her home saying that she had got this huge donation from the bowling alley. Now, none of the other donations have been going to her house. We don't want to clutter up her house and cause her stress trying to help plan. So the friends and family have been keeping the stuff at their houses until it's time for the fundraiser. So there's no other reason for her to take them to her house other than to take credit for it. I just don't understand why she would take it upon herself to go and pick up a huge donation that she didn't take part in without telling my mother, the one who got the donation, that she didn't need to go and pick it up because she had it covered. She took it straight to the woman's house without asking the group that's planning where we're storing the donations. And she didn't tell anyone that she took it. She doesn't even live in our town. She lives 30 minutes away. So she had to go so out of her way to pick this up. She took it to her sister-in-law's house, trying to take credit for this huge donation when she hasn't put in a lick of work for this fundraiser and left us worried that someone else had just taken our donation and ran off with it. Honestly, after reading this, I kind of would have rathered it be someone just steal the donation and keep it for themselves. This, if anything, is worse. At least if someone went and just stole the donation, you'd say, you know what? That's a real shame. Isn't it so sad that these things happen and people out there exist? It's terrible. However, what the sister-in-law has actually done here is try to just completely devalue the entirety of your mum's work and the the number of other donations that have been made from, you know, a, an insane amount of people, it sounds like. If she is claiming this as her own, what does that then mean for everybody else who's actually done the work? Do you kind of get what I'm saying? So yeah, although I'm sure you'll get the donation back and that's unbelievable. The fact that she has put this like doubt perhaps into the woman's mind, into everyone else's mind about who's actually raising the money or what's going on here is crazy. Like it's, it's so much more selfish than if some random had just stolen the donation in the first place. Like she knows the level that your mum has gone to, like the effort that your mum has put in to get these unbelievable donations yet she's still done this. The audacity, not just the program that I'm using to record this audio on right now, niche joke, but the audacity. Now for our next entitled people story. Friend invited me and husband to stay with her for a week. And then the day before we left, gave me an itemized list of all the things we did that I needed to pay for. Okay, look, I get helping to pay for some things when you're staying with someone, but I was just blown away when she gave me this rundown list for things we did. She was my best friend. I'd known her since I was eight and we're now 50. Sure, we've grown apart since then because now she lives in another country and I rarely see her, but she kept begging us to come and visit her and her husband. They'd put us up for our entire stay and even offered to throw my husband a 50th birthday party because we'd be there during his birthday. Quite honestly, if I invited someone to stay with me, there's no way I'd be asking for any money from them. I can't imagine doing that. I was going to give her some money for things like the room they paid for when we went to another city and stayed over, but there were other things that I was like, wow, really? But she didn't simply ask for some money. She actually gave me an itemized list of what I owed her. Half of everything we did. My best friend, and she listed things down to the dime of what we owed her. So here is the list. $152.10 for a stay at a hotel room in another city. 
okay, this I get. $105 for gas for them driving us around town and out of town during our stay to show us the sights. $90 for birthday food for my husband's birthday party. This I get as well, I guess. But if you offer to throw a party for someone, you don't usually expect them to pay for half of it. Yeah, sorry, I disagree with you there, OP. I do not get that at all. They've offered to throw the birthday party. That's like they're offering to pay for it as well. That's kind of what that means, no? $136 on car rental. When we flew to another island with them for a couple of days, I get this as well. All right, that seems reasonable. $21 gas, I guess for around town driving. Wait, so that's on top of the gas that they've already charged you for. What? $6.50 for parking. For freaking parking the car in the city for one day. Really? And then $27 for airport parking. When we parked the car at the airport before taking a flight to the other island for two days. Really? So in total, that is $537.80. I was just blown away by this. I would have given them a couple of hundred to cover the hotel room and birthday food, but actually asking us to pay for the gas to drive us around and parking is ridiculous. Especially the measly $6.50. And the fact that it wasn't just $500, but $537.80. They asked us to come visit, and then unbeknownst to us the whole time, they were tallying up all these things that we did to split the cost of everything. They came and stayed with us a few years earlier, and I certainly didn't give them a tally of the groceries they owed or the gas spent driving them around. You ask someone to stay with you, then you pay for things. I mean, what can I seriously add to what I've already said? It's just so painfully obvious. This is just not the way to treat someone ever. If you were inviting someone to stay with you, it's it's pretty much just kind of a given that everything is on you, right? Now, a nice person in that situation would definitely offer to pay for things and would pay for things. I think that's accepted. You know, at least pay for a nice meal out or, or pay for a trip somewhere or whatever. Contribute to, to what you're doing, the activities. Got no problem with that. As OP has said, they're more than happy to, to pay for, for certain things here. But when you're getting an itemized bill, including something that's worth $6.50. Like how petty is that? That is just insane. You can't be dealing with that. And you've got to be rethinking this friendship. Seriously, that's mad. Now for our next entitled people story. Now this has actually been in the news recently. A crazy, crazy post. Women involved in the theft of Lady Gaga's dogs sued the singer for not giving her deserved reward for returning them. Her case was just thrown out of court. Lady Gaga owns three French bulldogs. While she was touring in Europe, she had an employee take care of them. While he was out walking the dogs one night, two men jumped out of a car and tried to take the dogs. During a struggle, Gaga's dog walker was shot in the chest, causing permanent injuries, including partial loss of a lung. Gaga posted on Instagram offering a $500,000 reward, no questions asked, for the return of the dogs. Not for the apprehension of the criminals to punish the attempted murder, just the return of the dogs. This distinction is relevant. Three men, James, Jalen, and Lafayette, were arrested and charged with a list of felonies. Jalen's father is Harold. Harold was dating Jennifer. After seeing the reward offer, Jalen gave the dogs to Jennifer, who took them to the police station, turned them in, and asked for the reward. At first, no connection to the crime was made, but eventually it was determined that her boyfriend's son stole the dogs and gave them to her to collect the reward. She eventually pled guilty to receiving stolen property and received two years of felony probation. But she then demanded that Gaga pay her the $500,000 as per her oral contract. 
when Gaga refused, Jennifer sued for breach of contract, fraud by false promise, and fraud by misrepresentation, asking for the $500,000 plus $15 million on top of that for financial damages, pain and suffering, mental anguish, and loss of enjoyment of life plus legal fees. Wow. Her claim is that she would not have returned the dogs if not for the promised reward and therefore was defrauded because she ended up with no dogs to keep or to sell this is unclear and no reward. Wow, what a lovely person. She wouldn't have returned the dogs if not for the promised reward. Just admitting you'd steal the dogs then, you clown. The judge ultimately dismissed her lawsuit with prejudice, which means she cannot attempt to file it again. Jennifer said she didn't know about the plan to steal the dogs ahead of time, but as the judge pointed out, she never claimed to not know the dogs were stolen by her boyfriend's son when she received them or when she turned them in. Notably, she never alleges that she was unaware that the bulldogs had been stolen after they were stolen or at the time that she received them. That is a direct quote. Wow, what an interesting story. To be honest, I'd forgotten really about the, the Lady Gaga dog fiasco and the fact that you know, the dog walker almost died. I mean, that would have been absolutely awful. But this woman, <laughs> the audacity once again to do this is just insane. Like, why, if you're gonna have a go and try and get this money, why would you not say that you didn't know that the dogs were stolen? Because by not saying that, surely you're just kind of welcoming or encouraging people, the police, really, to, to have a look at your situation and say, hmm, I wonder who you're related to and may they have stolen the dogs. Oh, oh yes, they have. What a surprise. Apart from the fact I'm not surprised at all. I mean, look, clearly this entire family are just disgraceful humans. It's, it's mad that this many people in one family are this horrible. But yeah, stealing dogs in the first place, one of the worst things you can possibly do. And then saying, you know, I wouldn't have even given them back if it wasn't for the reward. Well, yeah, you're just a horrible person, aren't you? Simple as that. More like entitled family rather than entitled people here. And now for our final entitled people story of this episode. Someone in my old neighborhood wants a free house. I found a letter in the mailbox when my wife and I listed our house last year. I have redacted identifying info. Hey neighbor, I hope this letter finds you well and in good spirits. I write this confident that it will find its way to someone willing to help me fulfill a very lofty goal. Over the years, I've longed to live in and raise my children and grandchildren in a safe, friendly, energetic, peaceful, clean neighborhood with good schools. I often pondered what it was like to live on the other side of the tracks, literally. On my way home from work, I'd veer off through the neighborhoods and imagine having a home here in this thriving neighborhood. It was always the trees for me. I earnestly believed that one day I'd make it happen, but unfortunately, I haven't. I've worked my tail off and managed my way through many, many obstacles, but I haven't hit that pinnacle. I do well for myself and live a well-rounded, happy life, and I'm uber grateful for what I have. I just don't think I'll ever be able to afford a home in this neighborhood on one income, especially with the market the way it is and no end in sight, unless something marvelous happens. Therefore, I am reaching out to the community to find out if there is anyone out there that would like to donate a home to me or sell me one at a ridiculously low sale price. I know, the audacity, but there are those with abundance looking to bless someone. I see it every day. I even participate where I can. I promise to be a good neighbor and to love it and appreciate it for the rest of my life. I realize this is a radical idea, but who knows what's out there? Someone that has way more than enough and would love to pass their home on to someone that simply asked, has two and is ready to move to their warm weather home and doesn't need to turn a profit. 
someone that's just plain sick of humans and is going off grid someone that just wants to pay it forward or could write it off someone that bought a fixer-upper and life changed i'm very handy i'm getting older though or someone that just hit the powerball and is leaving everything behind maybe you know someone with a home elsewhere in a community just as lovable well please do pass the letter on you never know so here i am asking my dad always said a closed mouth don't get fed i'm currently renting in redacted and i love it with the constant increase in rent that may not last much longer i've worked for redacted for almost 20 years well when i started passing out this letter i did unfortunately i was part of their layoffs this week i've attended a women's group in the area for 15 years as well all reasons that i've intentionally left my name out of this i'm hoping to save face for now i made an email for responses to this letter Please, no hurtful or hateful messages. I've seen the nasty comments on the forums, and I assure you that I am a good person with a good heart and good intentions. I'll provide you with my full name, address, references, background check, no resale contract, you name it, should you find interest in my request. Otherwise, thank you for simply reading my letter. So long for now. Turns out there are roughly 15,000 homes in this area, so I have a lot of work to do. Serious inquiries only, and then they've put the email address. You know what? I'm going to give a, a controversial opinion here. I see absolutely nothing wrong with this. In fact, I quite like it. Uh, and I know the voice that I used there when, when you know, narrating this was a little bit, little bit silly, a little bit entitled as, as I tend to do. But genuinely, what's wrong with this? It's not harming anybody. This person shot their shot, and I say fair play. Who knows? If they have the time and the money and the effort level to, to print out a piece of paper with these words on and put it in the letterbox of 15,000 homes, then fair play. Maybe they'll get lucky. Who knows? I mean, what are the chances? You might find someone, I mean, sad, sad though it may be, an elderly person that is on their way, uh, for want of a better saying, has no family. I mean, this is quite sad actually, but go with me on this. Has no, has no family to really let, let their house to. And they just say, you know what? Yeah, sure. Have it. And what do we do? We work all our lives to be able to buy lovely houses in lovely neighborhoods. If you can circumvent that and shortcut that by doing this, I say power to you, my friend. You know, this is the sort of sideways thinking outside the box that has amazing results. Now, that being said, it, it probably won't. Let's be honest. But if it, if there's a 1% chance that this comes off, even if there's a 0.1% chance, what are you really losing apart from a little bit of time? You're not, you're not losing your face, as you said, because no one knows who you are. Personally, I love it. I don't even think it's that entitled. I think it's just a fair request. I know a lot of you guys in the comments will disagree with me. I hold my hands up. It's an unpopular opinion, but I really rate it. It seems almost entrepreneurial. Uh, it's, it's clever thinking. I quite like it. Friends Entitled X begs her to let him move in because he had nowhere else to go. My soft-hearted friend Emma finally broke up with the parasite she once called her boyfriend. Carl has a hundred excuses for why everyone else is the problem. His bosses are mean and expect too much of him, like showing up for his shifts. His co-workers create a hostile work environment because they refuse to do his job for him. He's also realized that the people he called friends are not really his friends because they won't refer him for openings at their companies. Carl thinks that he has really bad luck. At the beginning of this month, one of these friends told him that their living situation is not working out. Kyle needs to find other accommodation by the month's end. He did nothing until this week. He'd been praying that his friend was a real one who wouldn't really kick him out. However, today his friend asked Kyle if he needed help packing. The month is over in one week, you see. In a panic, Kyle called Emma. 
he begged her to let him stay all expenses paid by her until he gets back on his feet people he thought were friends have shown who they really are and abandoned him they abandoned him in his hour of need and for what something as pithy as money don't remind him that all of his friends hosted him at some point he not only paid no rent he expected them to pay his living expenses they're friends he would do the same for them emma usually has a hard time saying no but kyle took advantage of her so badly that she said i don't think that's a good idea she blocked him everywhere then called her scary sister to tell him off and threaten him away poor kyle he was turned away by everyone abandoned forsaken and they knew he had nowhere to go his mum's house does not count as somewhere to go his mum is in his words a self-absorbed female dog a good parent doesn't expect her 37 year old son to hold down a job and pay rent a good parent doesn't make him do chores and maintain a level of order in the common areas a roommate wouldn't even expect this dropping the sarcastic tone i am so proud of emma for not falling for this I hope he gets his life in order now, but even if he doesn't, at least it's not my friend's problem. Well, it sounds to me, guys, as if this man is just uh, more of a more of a child than a man, really. He, he's 37 years old. He can't look after himself and expects everyone else to do things for him. I mean, the point about him not even being bothered or not even seeing it as his duty to help with communal areas in a house is crazy. I mean, who, who says that sort of stuff? Who believes that? But I will say fair play for Emma for standing up for yourself because... I can imagine if you are, you know, I don't, I don't want to be rude, but someone that is a bit of a doormat a little bit sometimes, as in someone that, you know, likes to please other people. A people please is a, is a better way of putting it, especially when you're in a relationship with somebody that, you know, you obviously were in love with at some point. It can, I imagine, be extremely hard to say no to somebody, even if you've, you've broken up with them and you, you're moving on because that's just the sort of person that you are. On the whole, a positive trait, by the way. I do like those sort of people, but sometimes they can be a little bit too, I don't know, naive or, or kind of welcoming of other people when they shouldn't be, perhaps too trusting. Who knows? Nonetheless, fair play to her for saying, you know what, no, at this point, it's gone too far. You're done. Get out of my life, you man child. Let's move on. Now, moving on to our second Entitled People story of this episode. Now, this one is actually quite a similar topic to the first. Entitled X ghosted my friend, then demands a room in our house. This isn't my ex, but my best friend's ex. She and I have been friends for years and live together now. And now we live with my parents, who adore her like their own daughter. I got her permission to post this. So, my friend, who is 30, came to the US from Latin America at 19 as a student. She also started dating her ex, who is 29, after many years of hanging with each other, both during vacations and online. I've known them both since high school, and they seemed good together. She tried to convince him to move in together a few years before their breakup. He was living with his parents, who wanted him to leave. At this point, she'd already finished college and had a job in the US that granted her a visa. He'd quit college and worked part-time. From what I can gather, he didn't want to leave his parents' place because free food and no rent. So instead, she asked me if I wanted to move with her so we could afford a bigger place. I said yes, and we moved together, adopted a cat and a dog, and pretty much became Grace and Frankie, whoever they are. Let me know in the comments down below. Clearly a cultural reference that I don't get. Not for the first time. Around the start of the pandemic, things got bad for them. This is what I was told and what I saw. They never talked or hung out or anything. I was in a breakup at the time myself, so I wasn't really on top since I had my own issues, but my friend cried so much. She didn't even get a happy birthday. After a year of no contact, she assumed the relationship was over. 
she changed all her social media to single which you could see took him off her emergency contacts at work and at her doctors and just moved on with her life wait so he ghosted her for a year that is mad you, you ghosted his own girlfriend what this year my stepdad's health has gone downhill and my mum needs help caring for him she works full-time as a therapist I work from home and my job is very flexible. So I put in the idea of all of us living together and I'll care for my dad. Eventually my mum too. My mum loved the idea and asked my bestie if she wanted to move with us too so we could all be together. And also because at this point, I can't see myself not being in the same house as her. We've come to terms as being single ladies. Heck, we've joked that one of us should adopt and we'll become a parent slash aunt dynamic. Another joke is more serious since I'm considering it and she's incredibly supportive. No, we're not dating. She's straight. I'm bi. We're just incredibly close after all the BS we've lived through together. We found a perfect house. Four bedrooms, two and a half bathrooms. Enough space, a yard, everything we need. And we got it after a bunch of difficulties and arrangements. Since I don't have immediate plans for adopting yet, I have a ton of paperwork and years of planning ahead. We made the extra room into our office slash gaming hub. We both work at the same place. Totally not on purpose. They were hiring and we both needed visas. And as proud first time homeowners, we posted pictures. Her ex, who by this point has been MIA for three years, messaged her saying he was so excited to move into the new house. She told him this was her house with me and my parents. He said, since they were a couple, she should kick me and my parents out so that he could move in. I want to point out that my parents bought the house. We, my friend and I, will pay them our parts over the years. And if she decides to move out, I'll finish paying and I'll buy her part out. This is all in paper and signed. So she obviously told him that he was not moving with us and that he ghosted her so there was no relationship. He went on a tirade that he never broke up with her, that she was abandoning him, that she never cared about him, etc. That made me angry. I took the phone from her and I told him that he could live in a bear cave for all I care but to leave my friend and our house alone. He went ballistic and began calling us some names, referring to the LGBTQ plus community that would probably get this post flagged. So I'll leave that to your imagination. My friend started crying and I was absolutely done with him. I never thought he was abusive, but my friend confessed to me that this was not new. He always had issues with the two of us living together and accused her often of cheating on him with me. We ended the call and I told her that she needed to block him for her own sanity's sake. She deserves so much better than this man-child. She got me to leave my abusive ex when I was in high school. She took me to the hospital when he beat me up and called my parents. My friend is my family and I'll be dead before I let some idiot with commitment issues make her suffer. Since then, he's gone on a major campaign in our friend group to say that my friend abandoned him and left him homeless since apparently he cancelled his lease after he saw we bought a house. Okay, so he's just a complete idiot then. He also claims that we're lesbian satanists that probably abuse our pets and are mooching off my parents. Most of my friends know the story and know that my friend and I moved together first out of necessity. Then we just don't see ourselves not living together. So yeah, my friend's ex is a nutcase. And if he ever gets close to her again, I will personally give him a free vasectomy. All right, now interestingly, we actually do have an update from OP. Let's get into that straight away. Hey everyone, a bit quick on the update, but some people asked if our friends knew where the ex was hiding for three years. And I was actually curious. Since I was down for the count at work today, I had time to check with my friends and find out more. Apparently, my bestie did ask them, but they didn't know. 
From what they tell me, he kind of got back into everyone's life in the last year or so, but he was part of the group because they were besties friends, not really his. I don't personally know many of his own friends, to be fair. I did track down the ex's sister, thanks to social media, and I poked her for info. She's actually very nice and has always treated my bestie right. I told her what our brother did, and her response was very interesting. Apparently, the ex was dating other girls until his parents decided to move outside of the US. He's now living on a friend's couch. The last she heard was a couple of days past when they went out for coffee. He was saying he's got this brand new house and was going to be moving in this week. As far as she knew, my bestie begged him to take her back and let her live in his house. I did correct her and said that no, the bestie is living with me and my parents in our new house. Her reaction was, uh, of course he lied. And she just thanked me for letting her know he was BSing. Aside from that, I do want to report that we're safe. He doesn't know where we live. And most people don't because we're not really ready to open Pandora's box and have friends come over. We also need time to figure out who we want in the know. We won't be going to the police unless something serious happens, just because this is technically not a crime. But we are going to keep recordings and print text conversations. If he tries anything, we have all our papers in order. And just in case, I plan to contact our company's HR so they know the situation. The company we work for can provide us free legal counsel if things get bad. Now, this one is a little bit like the first story, but just a bit more insane, if anything. I mean, ghosting someone for three years and then saying, wait, what do you mean? It's not my house. We're together, right? Like, you've not contacted them for three years. How is, how is that coming to your head as a, as a genuine thought? That's insane. I mean, I, th- I thought the first story was pretty mad, but this is just another level. How? I mean, I should have probably realized that this guy was stupid after OP said that he canceled his lease after he saw that we bought a house. <laughs> it's two things that don't really you know, go hand in hand there, to be honest with you. But I mean, fair play. I mean, I kind of rate this guy's delusion. It's, it's just a, a crazy level of belief or just, I don't know, being mental, really. Three years of ghosting and then saying, can't wait to move in. Fair play. I want that sort of courage. I really do. I admire it, if anything. Let's carry on. Entitled neighbor leaves a note on my car every single week. I live in an apartment building with no parking, so I have no choice but to park on the street. My street also has a school on it that prohibits parking on its side Monday to Friday until 6 p.m. The other side has a two-hour parking, even for permit holders. The entire area is permit parking only, which I have. So there are a total of about seven spots on my block where permit holders can leave their cars. Because of this, I can never get a spot on my block and I park one block down, which is the same permit zone. This area is all houses and each one has a driveway. I typically don't use my car every day, but I never go without it for long stretches unless I'm traveling. It's also a parking violation here to leave your car in one spot for longer than 72 hours which apparently some people take very seriously. Recently, one of my neighbors has been leaving a note on my car every single week. This is not an exaggeration. I've gotten four notes in the last four weeks citing the above parking code, even if my car has only been there for less than two days. The note always says that I can't leave my car in one spot for multiple days, which technically I have 72 hours. I always ignore it because even if I do get reported, which I'm sure I have been, someone from the city comes out the next day for an inspection and then monitors the vehicle for the next 72 hours to see if it's still there. 
This law is really to prevent abandoned vehicles, not for people getting upset about cars parked in front of their houses for multiple days. The hilarious part is that the note goes on to say how disrespectful it is to your neighbors to leave your cars parked in front of their houses. But constantly leaving notes on cars is totally respectful. This has been going on for months, but this was the first time I got four notes in a row, and now I'm going for the high score. I know it's a law, and I rarely leave my car parked in one spot for longer than three days, never more than a week unless I'm traveling, in which case I leave it at the office to avoid street sweeping. Also, my car isn't old, dirty, or looks abandoned. This person truly just has nothing better to do with their life. Yeah, I don't necessarily think that's like the, the most insightful thing ever, but it is very weird. Surely you'd wait until someone is actually breaking the law before you leave a note. Like, you wouldn't warn someone that in 24 hours, for example, you're going to be breaking the law. That's a bit strange, isn't it? Like, you know, think of another example here. Say that the permitted time of parking was 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. and you couldn't park outside of those times. You know, it's, it's, just, a, it's just an example. At 4 p.m., you wouldn't leave a note on someone's car saying, hey, just so you know, you've only got an hour left. If you've not moved your car by 5 p.m., you're in massive, massive trouble. You'd wait until 5 and then let them know, wouldn't you? If, if you cared at all. It's a bit weird to do it preemptively. Especially, like, given the actual example that we have here, that they're doing it after two days, when you still have a whole other day to move your car. And also, as OP said, that's not really the point of the law at all. Like, that's just kind of using it in the wrong way. It's to stop people abandoning cars or leaving it there for weeks, I imagine. Uh, it's just very, very strange and... Yeah, it does come across as someone that does have nothing better to do in their lives. I get it. It's not ideal having other people park in front of your house, but you have a driveway. So therefore you, you can always park because it's your driveway. I, I don't really see what the problem is. And again, it, it can't be an eyesore because OP said that their car's pretty nice. I think this person is just a little bit, yeah, entitled for want of a, a more appropriate word. But really that is what it is. It's, it's weird. It's a weird thing to do. I would say maybe just have a little bit of caution because if they're leaving notes in your car and they're keeping doing it every single week for literally no reason then they could cause damage to your car in the future for no reason as well i'm just thinking like if they're getting this angry over this and you're going to keep doing it of course because you're well within your rights to do so just be warned that they could step it up a level so maybe i mean maybe you already have a dash cam but yeah maybe invest in a little dash cam for your car just in case the worst happens. My mother-in-law photoshopped my husband's nose on our wedding pictures. How do I tell him? I am a 27-year-old woman, and I've been with my husband, who is 29, for seven years. I remember that early in our relationship, one of the first things he expressed insecurity about was his nose, specifically about its width. He never wanted surgery, but he thinks that his nose is too big for his face. I never thought that true and for a long time i wondered where he'd gotten that idea from then i met his mother and all my doubts went out the window i don't hate her but the woman complains about everything and she seems particularly interested in criticizing her sons barely anything about my husband or his older brother is good enough for her and if it is she is quick to imply they don't deserve it according to my brother-in-law that behavior didn't start until my father-in-law passed about eight years ago so they don't usually hold it against her but to me it seems like she legitimately doesn't want her children to be happy most times that we talk to her my husband ends up devastated she constantly complains about me his job our apartment and his appearance she has on more than one occasion suggested that he get a nose job that tends to upset him, so I always try to shut that down as quickly as possible. We got married in early May, 
The photos were ready about two months later and we created a shared album on Google Photos for our friends and family, including of course, my mother-in-law. I got pregnant during our honeymoon. Can't recommend Dubrovnik enough. And I'm now 24 weeks along. We've had problems with my mother-in-law concerning my pregnancy. We're having a boy and she had a breakdown because she wanted a girl that forced us to put her on an info diet. That was two months ago and she has since improved her behavior. Because of that, we said yes when she invited us to go to a mall near her place to shop for baby clothes last Saturday. My husband had an emergency at work and ended up not coming, but we still managed to have a good time. When we were done, she invited me back to her place. I hadn't been there in a while and I quickly saw that she'd gotten some of our wedding pictures up on the wall. I instantly noticed something was wrong with them, but I couldn't pinpoint what it was yet. My mother-in-law saw what I was looking at and proudly announced that she'd gotten someone to fix his nose. In other words, she gave her son a Photoshop nose job on his wedding pictures. I could not believe it. I never thought she'd stoop so low. It wasn't even a good nose job. It was so bad that my husband's face didn't look real. He looked like a Ken doll and not in the hot Ryan Gosling way. My mother-in-law must have seen how mad I got because she instantly tried to defend herself. She tried to make the point that her son deserved to look his best on his wedding day and I should have convinced him to get the real nose job before our ceremony. I made up an excuse to leave, but I could tell she knew the real reason. She's been calling and texting me almost every day since. I've been ignoring her, but she's always either apologizing, accusing me of overreacting or begging me not to tell my husband. I know it seems trivial, but I am outraged. And the more I think about it, the more disgusted I get. I could never imagine doing something like that to my child. I haven't told my husband yet, mostly because we've both been busy with work this week, but also because I have no idea how to. His mother was finally starting to be a better person around him and his brother, and I know it will break his heart to find out about this. I don't know what to do. I have to tell him, but I can't figure out how. I know he loves his mother and I don't want to damage whatever relationship they still have. My mother-in-law also mentioned she intended to send the improved pictures to some of her relatives. So I've got to find a way to shut that down. So how can I tell my husband that his mother photoshopped his face on our wedding pictures? More importantly, what would be the most peaceful way to do it? Wow, what a start to the episode. I mean, that is just an unbelievable story. I've never heard anything like this. That is incredible. Now, I will say off the bat, it's very sad that your father passed away. And I completely understand why, OP, your husband and his brother have kind of given their mum a pass for a number of years. Because, you know, a death in the family like that is completely tragic. And it and it could and, you know, probably would lead to some unexpected and strange behaviour. However, it has now been eight years and she's still being horribly and horrifically abusive this is insane i mean the fact of the matter is you have to tell him and there's not going to be a piece of way of doing it you have to tell him the facts he deserves to know yes you don't want him to fall out with his mum, but if someone is doing this to your husband i don't care who it is it's literally incredible like that is mad you've got to tell him he's not going to like it who knows what the repercussions and consequences might be but that's for him and you and you know his mum to deal with absolutely unbelievable i've never heard of anything like this just incredible guys comment down below what do you think op and her husband should do in regard to the picture the pictures and also just his mum in general for me i'd say you're not allowed to have those pictures up it's disgusting either you have the real pictures up or I'm not going to talk to you again. And I understand it's easy for me to say as this is not my mum and it's not my family, but I'd be very tempted to, to put that sort of ultimatum in place. 
Once again, what a start to the episode. Unbelievable. Let's carry on. Now for our next entitled parent story. Entitled dad called the police on me for sitting in a pool. This just happened today and I'm so mad. I am a 28 year old man and I'm autistic and I just wanted to spend some time relaxing in our local swimming pool. I had black goggles and I like to swim underwater. I also like to simply rest against the poolside and chill. Also, I was the only adult male without any children in this pool, which is clearly for everyone to use. Shallow at one end, deep at the other, etc. I'm just resting by the poolside when a manager, not even a lifeguard, a manager comes over to me and tells me my presence and behavior is making someone uncomfortable. He explained that somebody had complained that me diving underwater and simply sitting by the side of the pool was apparently unacceptable because I was apparently doing this to peep on children. He told me this in a non-accusatory tone and seemed to sound as confused as me about this. Okay, well, that's good at least. At first, I thought I was upsetting some overworried parent and being a parent myself, I felt horrible. I explained that I was just relaxing by the poolside. I offered to take off my goggles to put them at ease and I even wanted to apologize to this person. The manager seemed to accept this and presumably went back to the parent to let them know I was sorry for upsetting them. About 10 minutes passed and the manager was back, telling me the police had arrived. I was shocked and asked if it was about me. The manager said yes and that they wanted to talk to me. This is when I meet the entitled dad for the first time. Big guy, maybe early to mid 30s and pretty buff looking. This is the only time he spoke to me and all he said was, you better go quietly or I'll tell everyone here you're a pedophile he walked away before i could reply and the manager led me out the pool i felt tempted to flip this kevin the bird as i walked by but i kept my call and just left i get to the locker rooms and two policewomen were waiting fortunately for me they were really nice and friendly with me the whole time after grabbing a towel they started asking me what happened and what i was doing i was honest and told them i was just trying to relax and had no idea that i was upsetting this person just by being there I even told them I was autistic, which led to one of the officers telling me they had a family member who was also autistic. They then asked me for my details to run me through their database. While that went on, the entitled dad walked by and one of the officers asked to talk with him. He agreed and they went elsewhere. I got changed back into my clothes and as I was coming out of the changing room, the entitled dad was in my way with his back to me. I couldn't quite hear what he was saying over the other people in the room, but I did hear him rather loudly order his kids to stay put while he went to get changed. He walked off without seeing me and I left the locker room. The police stayed with me in the lobby until their database came back. Of course, it came back that I had no history of crime and the gym staff had told the officers that I had no history of disturbing other people and I was free to go. However, the entitled dad was hanging around near the back of the lobby watching me. The police saw this too and offered to give me a ride home since I'd walked to the gym. I accepted since I was pretty shell-shocked by the whole ordeal and I was worried that this guy would try something on my way home. In all, this was a really scary experience and I'm still shaking typing this. I'm just glad the manager and the police were professional enough to let me speak my piece. I should mention there were other parents in the pool who didn't care about my presence. Another dad and his kids were playing right next to me and he didn't care. Now, good news on this one is that we do have an update. I went back to the gym today to see if the same manager was on duty. Thankfully, he was and he took me aside to explain his perspective on things. I'll call him Mike. Apparently, that Kevin seemed to be trouble from the start, being very irate with Mike as well as other staff members. The only reason it wasn't the lifeguards dealing with him was because they were scared of him. Being 17, 18 years old, this guy was an early 30s looking buff man. Even Mike, roughly the same age as the Kevin, 
was concerned with his behavior thinking if he got near me we'd end up throwing hands when mike first told him that i'd offer to leave my goggles off so i wouldn't dive underwater that apparently wasn't good enough then when the police arrived mike had actually just told them he was concerned for my safety nothing about the pedo accusation no wonder they were so nice i then asked mike if at any point he thought i really was a threat to the kids he laughed and said no saying that when i'd mentioned i had kids of my own the fact that i'd offered to apologize and attempt to de-escalate things he could tell i wasn't dangerous he was thinking more about me being safe than whether or not i was a threat and the police seemed to think that way too at one point after i left the kevin got mouthy again and a receptionist chewed him out for his actions i wish i could have seen that then mike asked if i'd made it home okay and i told him about the police giving me a ride their car wasn't inside of the building he was relieved and hoped that this event hadn't put me off coming back i do plan to come back to this gym now since i can count on the staff to have my back but yeah everything is cool now and everybody knows what an idiot that guy is so i don't think i'm in any further trouble anymore Oh, and to answer why I left, I was given the choice as to whether to go or not. Nobody actually told me to leave. I was planning on leaving a few minutes before this encounter anyway, so I didn't mind too much. It was only when the police officer caught the Kevin staring at me that they offered to give me a ride. Okay, so let's be completely honest here. Realistically, this man is wasting police time, right? OP has not committed a crime or been anywhere near to commit a crime. What they're doing is completely within in the rules of, of not just society, but also, you know, the pool and the gym and yet he's had the police called on him if that's not wasting police time i don't really know what is there's not even a, a semblance of a crime going on here he's just swimming in a pool simple as that like he's not being creepy either it's, it's not as if he's like going really deep underwater and going up to kids and stuff like that i mean <laughs> i don't know but he probably hope he's not doing that let's just say that he's not doing that let's be let's be honest so there's just no need i mean i really hope he's not doing that can i just make that abundantly clear because if he is that changes everything but from everything that i've garnered from this story he's not doing that um and he seems like a normal guy just chilling out and he's got kids of his own it seems unlikely that he was doing anything crazy but uh you never know um but yes in all seriousness this this guy this kevin has wasted police time and he deserves to be punished for it to be completely honest though yeah I i'm not surprised that you're shaken up by this like to just be going about your normal day and then the police called on you for no reason that is gonna shake you up you're gonna be scared because you're thinking to yourself wow am i have i acted incorrectly am i doing something illegal Like you're gonna have these questions it's gonna shake you up even if what you're doing was completely normal and fine and what you tend to do as it as it was yeah i don't really think you should blame yourself for that or think oh why am i shaken up by this that that would shake me up as well scary stuff it's just a good thing that the that the police and the manager were on your side and didn't jump to conclusions now for our third entitled parent story two kids unzipped my cat's carrier and were reaching inside to pet my cats this happened a few months ago when i took my cat to a cat show for those who don't know much about cat shows when they aren't being judged they hang out in large pop-up kennels it's normal for parents to bring their kids to the cat shows but this cat show had so many kids running around it was insane i've never seen so many kids at a cat show i have nothing against bringing your children to cat shows just please stay with them and teach them to respect the cat's personal space so anyways my cat was sleeping inside a little cat cave inside of his large pop-up kennel i went to go to the bathroom and when i came back two children had unzipped the kennel and one was petting my cat why would anyone ever open a pet carrier and touch a random cat they don't know i would have never done that as a child i don't know where their mum was but the girl was saying that my cat wanted attention and that's why she unzipped it 
but he was still inside his little cat cave that was inside of the pop-up kennel. They're lucky I have a ragdoll cat. Extremely chilled, cuddly, social, and known as the puppy of cats. Additionally, my cat volunteers with kids once a week, walks on a leash, and vibes with literally everyone. But I cannot describe how upset this made me. I want to add that I've never had any issues with kids at any other cat shows but this one, But another thing is that when I was taking my cat to be judged, a kid touched his tail and I had a couple of other kids try to ask to pet him as I was taking him to be judged another time. To be honest, I think that's all right personally, just jumping in here. But I understand the previous bit, that is not okay. Also, I had to fuss at some kids who went to another person's pop-up cat carrier and had their hands and faces pressed against the mesh to see the cat inside because that's probably very intimidating for the cat. I want to say once again that I've never had issues with kids at other cat shows. I don't know what happened at this one, but for some reason, there were so many kids. I would like to add finally that most kids did have parents with them and were behaving well. Okay, an interesting story here. Just to explain what I was saying earlier, I feel like if a kid asks you at a convention like this, where you know there are going to be, you know, families around and, and lots of animals, if they explicitly ask you, can I pet your cat? I think that's okay. If you want to say no, if you want to say yes, completely fine, up to you. But if they ask you and then you give them permission or not, I think that's fine and that's polite and that's to be expected. But if they just go up randomly to a (laughs) pop-up kennel, unzip it, and then unzip another compartment as well inside it, and then pet a sleeping cat... Yeah, that's not on. And I know they're kids, but I mean, I agree with you. I wouldn't have done that when I was a child and and nor would the majority of people. That is entitled and their parents should be having words. And now for our final entitled parent story of this episode. Sister-in-law freaks out because she feels my boyfriend and I are denying her child food. My boyfriend's family came to town for a week and stayed with us. We made sure to have clean towels, fresh sheets, a stock fridge, etc. Unfortunately, two days after they got here, my boyfriend got laid off. Ever since then, he's been really down in the dumps and grumpy. My boyfriend's family doesn't have the best manners. They leave dirty plates behind, don't clean up after their kids' messes and such. I tried my best to ignore it and just clean up after them when they weren't home. Today, during lunch, we serve lasagna. After we finished eating, my boyfriend's sister got up and started packing lasagna for her kids to have for dinner. She packed what her kids left over and was adding more on top. They weren't going to be spending the night with us, so she wanted to have a quick and easy dinner ready for them. I told my boyfriend that if there wasn't enough lasagna left, I can order him dinner and to not worry. My boyfriend got up and asked his sister how much she was taking because he wanted to make sure that him and I also have enough food for dinner. Again, he's been very stressed about money since getting laid off. I mean, that is understandable. She screamed at him. How dare you deny food for my child? And picked her things up and left. Everything escalated out of nowhere. She packed her things and went to another rental. She felt like we were denying her child of food. I began crying and ran to my room because, unfortunately, I don't do well in these types of situations. I grew up around an emotionally abusive family and these events are really triggering for me. She told my boyfriend that she did not feel welcome and she felt like we were being rude to her. So am I at fault for making her feel unwelcome or is she just an entitled parent? She said that I was super rude for making that initial comment in the first place. The one where I told my boyfriend to not worry if we do not have enough food left. A simple conclusion for me here is that your boyfriend's family simply sucks. I don't think I need to say anything else other than that. Am I missing any details, sir? You guys let me know in the comments down below. For me, that is the conclusion. There's nothing more to say. We can get into the, the, you know, like we can nitpick through the story, but we don't need to. It's just, she's a joke of a woman. 
Simple as that. Parents brought screeching baby to Five Nights at Freddy's. This happened a few hours ago and I'm still fuming. I went to see Five Nights at Freddy's last night since it was sold out on Friday and at every theater by me during the daytime. I found a theater by me that was showing Five Nights at Freddy's well until 11 p.m. So I figured it would be dead. It wasn't really, but still. Okay, 9.40 p.m. it was. The time where tiny children should be asleep, right? No. Everyone is sitting down, and when the movie starts, the theater goes quiet. Till the murmurs of a baby can be heard. A kid around seven comes in, then a dad, then a screeching baby and a mum. They came in right as the movie started and were loud the entire time. Now, this kid didn't cry at the jump scares. Instead, it kept making sounds for the entire run of the freaking movie, and I mean louder than movie sounds. The people around me were so angry and kept shushing the kid as it waddled and ran up and down the aisle they were in. The parents acted as if we were crazy and kept ignoring their whining, screaming baby as if it would just go away. People would leave, complain, and when movie people came in, we saw hope that they'd be asked to leave. But instead, they just looked around for the ear bleed demon and then effed off as if they couldn't locate the screeches. At that point, the kid said, Mama, goo gaga. It's like the kid is right freaking there. The mum took the kid out for like five minutes and then came back in loudly and said, Mama really wants to see the movie. She put the kid on the ground and let it continue to run around. The father just ignored the kid. The older child seemed unbothered, like I didn't hear a peep from that kid the entire time. The crotch goblin would go quiet for about 10 seconds, enough time for some hope, and then continue to run around, semi-sleep on the chairs, that annoying thing that bored kids do, and just be a freaking menace to the theater. And you could feel the vibe in there. We're not scared, we're all irate. At least I know my row was since they were right ahead of us. So the screeching wasn't even muffled. It was like eardrum destruction. Then right as the movie ended, and I mean the first credits came on, even before the pot lights turned back off, they were freaking gone. Now they leave? The heck? And it just angers me so much because screw the parents and screw the theater for allowing this BS. We all pay insane amounts of money just to see a movie. I've waited so freaking long for Five Nights at Freddy's and just wanted one nice evening out. And these families come in and the theater people see the babies and say nothing. Oh, you're going to take your one-year-old into The Conjuring too? Yeah, that also happened to me. Yeah, I see nothing wrong with that. In my opinion, theater should be for seven plus. Because at seven years old, you should be old enough to just be quiet. Now, I don't really hate the babies, even though I dislike kids, because they're too young to understand what be quiet means or what sit still means, but come on. Nobody deserves to have their movie ruined by kids. To have kids cry all throughout the beginning of Endgame because Thanos got his stupid head chopped off, or for kids to screech because the Emperor is scary, boo freaking who, he was on screen for 0.2 seconds and then it was over. Or for kids to ask, who is Batman? A million freaking times. PG-13 or 14A should still mean something. It should mean if your kid ain't 13, they aren't getting freaking in. They don't get to get in and scream and cry throughout a movie. That's the point of most kids' movies is that scary stuff is limited. And I had this happen when I was a kid and my grandparents took me to see Pirates of the Caribbean and Davy Jones scared the frick out of me. But you know what they did? They took me home. They didn't let me scream and cry during the whole movie and ruin everyone else's days. They understood that I was too young and they took me home. It's not that hard. 
And I get it. If you don't have a sitter, that sucks. But why would you want to punish everyone else? Well, first of all, I've got to say that is an absolute disgrace. And I'm very sorry to you that your entire experience was ruined by these entitled parents. Secondly, you simply have to get a refund. Demand a refund. That is that is the least thing you should be doing. The whole thing has been ruined. You've not got the service you've paid for. You are owed a refund. And thirdly, thank you for saying what you did about it not being the kid's fault at all. I completely agree. And it's something that I do say in a lot of these episodes, a lot of my content. A lot of the time when children are, you know, young, let's say below the age of seven, I think seven is actually a very reasonable age that you've suggested here in which a child should have some common sense and should know when to be quiet, etc., etc. especially when they're a baby like this. It's not their fault that they're making noise. You know, they're not really in control of their actions. The baby is probably extremely bored and is like, why am I watching this movie that I have no interest in? And yeah, as you've said, the fault completely lies with these entitled parents and their own ignorance. And again, yeah, you're right. Like, it's not ideal to have to get a babysitter, but that is part of being a parent. If you want to go and enjoy an adult thing and you have children, you have young children, they can't come with you obviously it's not only going to ruin the entire experience for you by the way i mean i don't know how these guys have enjoyed the movie surely they haven't but it's also going to ruin it for everyone else in the theater so shame on these entitled parents and also shame on the staff they should have kicked them out i'm sorry they really should have done now our second entitled parent story of this episode is actually an update to one that i read the other day my mother-in-law photoshopped my husband's nose on our wedding pictures now if you haven't yet heard that story i will leave a link to that episode down below go and watch or listen to that one first whatever platform you're on you need to listen to that for this to make sense i know a lot of you will have done already but it's a really original very good story i'd recommend you listen to that first anyway here is the update to that one hey dudes i'm back thank you to everyone who took the time to offer me advice on my last post guys if you don't remember what happened op was pretty much asking what on earth they should do when they found out that their mother-in-law had photoshopped her husband's nose in their wedding pictures absolutely insane but uh hey here we go first of all i want to clarify that not telling my husband what his mother did was never an option she wouldn't remove the pictures from her house unless i either told him or threatened her had i done the latter she could use that against me in the future or even imply that i agreed with her Plus, he was bound to find out at some point, and I knew it would be better if it came from me. I asked how to do it, not whether I should. So I sat him down last Saturday and I broke the news. I explained what the pictures were and my mother-in-law's excuses for them. I also showed him the text that she'd sent me since my visits. The whole conversation, I was calm and straightforward, but made it very clear that not only did my mother-in-law's actions completely disgust me, but I never agreed with her about his appearance. He's the most gorgeous man I've ever met and there's absolutely nothing wrong with his nose. I also made sure to point out that the Photoshop nose made him look like front-facing Phineas from Phineas and Ferb. And my mother-in-law needs to get her eyes checked if she really thought it looked good. I thought the news would hurt him and I was right. He didn't cry or anything, but I could see it in his face. The odd but common combination of disappointment and acceptance. He knew his mother wouldn't change, but he still had some hope. It was almost heartbreaking to watch but for the first time in a while he seemed to believe me when i said his nose was normal he told me that now that he knew just how ridiculous his mum was willing to be her opinion meant a lot less to him so even though he's hurt he feels stronger than ever as many of you suggested i told him that he was free to approach the situation however he pleased 
but I don't want to be around his mother anymore. Most importantly, I don't want her around our son or any other kids we might have. Not only because of the guilt tripping tantrums that have become her standard behavior, but also because of the way she treats the people that she's supposed to love. I know she loves her family, but I doubt she knows how love works. If she's willing to treat her sons like this, I fully expect her to be even worse to her grandchildren. In the end, my husband and I decided we're going very low contact with his mum until the holidays. Some of his relatives are throwing a party the week before Christmas and she will be there. We thought about skipping it, but he has cousins he hasn't seen in years coming for the party. He's been looking forward to seeing them for months and it doesn't feel fair to let my mother-in-law ruin his excitement. After the holidays, we'll decide how to proceed. Regardless, she won't be allowed to see our son at the hospital when he's born. And once we bring him home, she won't be left alone with the baby. It doesn't matter how much she tries to improve. That is not something we are willing to budge on. In spite of everything, my husband doesn't want to cut ties with his mother, and I understand that. Even if he wanted to, he can't go fully no contact without cutting off the rest of his maternal family as well, which he is firmly against. What works best for now is to treat her like Domino's Pizza. She exists, and that's fine, but we're not getting involved until she actually improves. So let me get this straight. You want to order your mother-in-law every single night and become grossly overweight or have i misunderstood that anyway getting back to the story i also decided to tell some of my own family about this and everyone i've talked to agrees that my mother-in-law went over the line my father is a narcissist who i'm mostly low contact with due to his entitled behavior most recently he tried to make me disinvite his ex from my wedding so that he could bring his mistress and even he was offended on my husband's behalf and if even my mediocre respect your elders father thinks your children are right about you being a jerk you've probably gone too far we talked to my brother-in-law and he's the one who informed his mum of our decision she didn't take the news well she's now trying to call both me and my husband and keeps texting apologies and promises to take the pictures down we're ignoring her my brother-in-law visited her yesterday and apparently the pictures are gone She believed that was enough for us to forgive her, but he clarified that there is still a lot of work that needs to be done. Before anyone calls us dramatic, this isn't just about the Photoshop. This is about the damage she's caused in both her son's lives. I was abused in a similar fashion in my teens by my dad's ex, and I refuse to allow my child to grow up believing he's anything less than beautiful. Same goes for my husband. That's all. Again, thank you guys. Well, there we go. That is the conclusion to that story. I can't exactly remember what what my advice was to OP, but I do believe it was along the same sort of lines as as what she ended up doing. Just you have to tell your husband and, and let him react to it. There's no way of kind of, I don't know, being nice about it or being gentle. You just gotta be brutal and say, look, this is what's happened. I'm so sorry, but this is the truth. This is your mum. This is what she's like as a person. You know, what more can I do? And ultimately, it's up to him how he deals with it and up to you guys how you deal with it and your brother-in-law as well, who's sadly, you know, had, had some very similar treatment in his life, it seems. And I completely agree with your conclusion. No, if that's me, I don't want this woman in my life and I definitely don't want her in my kids' lives. Just a terrible, terrible person. Once again, if you haven't yet heard the first part of this, link to that is down below. That gives the context for this entire story. But um, yeah, really good solution and i'm happy that op took the advice of amazing people like me wasn't what i was gonna say but it's really what i mean i do think as well though in all seriousness that's what you guys were saying in the comments on that original episode so good stuff us and reddit helped out 
Let's carry on. Now for our third entitled parent story. My parents' small business is being review bombed because I stood up to a child abuser. My parents have owned a small Chinese restaurant for the past 25 years. Recently, I spent a day working there as a waiter and a big party of 11 people came in with their children. Their children were pretty rowdy and running around on top of our benches. I politely asked the parents to calm their children down as they were causing a disturbance and could hurt themselves. The parents made a half-hearted attempt to calm them down, but the children returned to running around on the benches. Unfortunately, one of their kids fell and hit his head. The child was stunned, holding his head, and looked like he was in massive pain. Others came to his care as well as his mother, but the father told his child to get over it and to suck it up when the child started crying, all while he attempted to rush out the door. He didn't even try to look after his kid when he got hurt. I watched all of this silently until the father was pushing his kid to get out of the restaurant. At that point, I had enough and told the father he could try being more empathetic to his child. He told me to mind my own business and I continued to repeat how his child had just hurt himself and that he needed attention rather than neglect. The father just kept repeating, mind your own business, as his friends and family were holding him back from approaching me. I was behind the front counter the whole time. I spoke sternly and never swore. I tried to be as professional as I could while trying to make my point. Now they're review bombing my parents' restaurant and I can't help but think it was all my fault. I've tried responding as the business with context, but they keep deleting their review whenever I respond and they keep writing new ones saying that I deleted their reviews. Is there anything I can do to prevent review bombing? I don't want my parents to suffer because of my actions. Thank you for any responses. Now here is the context that I replied with for their reviews. So in quotation marks, some context. This customer's child fell and hit his head. He was stunned and was holding his head. He looked like he was in a lot of pain. The father's response was to tell his child to get over it, suck it up and to rush out of the door because he wanted to go home all while the child was not responding to him and others were coming to his care instead of his own parents. The mother did rush over. Our waiter asked the father to be more empathetic to his child who had just hurt themselves in a confrontational but in no way physical or aggressive manner. Yes, our waiter did become confrontational but in no way was he physical or aggressive to the customer. Our waiter stood behind the counter at all times and didn't swear. He spoke sternly to the man, asking him to be more empathetic to his child. The man in turn had to be held back by his friends and family from approaching our waiter. The customers were also previously warned by our waiter not to let their kids run around on top of our benches as it could be dangerous. The parents made an attempt to tell them to stop, but sometime later, the children were back to playing on the benches and one unfortunately hurt himself. Now then, this I think is actually, I think this is a really, really tough spot. What do you do here? I think there's just, there's just like so much that we need to unpack off the rip. First of all, I, I don't actually like quite a bit of the word. Well, I mean, the word confrontational. I just don't think you should put that in in your review or in your context reply to the review. It's just not ideal, I don't think. Nor do I think as well that you should ever really admit that a child has been hurt in your in your restaurant. I think, you know, instead of saying confrontational, you could say something instead that was just you know you were verbally direct or uh, confrontation always has negative consequences right it sounds aggressive i wouldn't do that and yeah i just don't think that even with context you should ever say that a child has hurt themselves in your establishment but apart from that i mean i don't really know what you can do if someone is review bombing you this this, this can't be an uncommon thing right this must happen in places 
I don't know what really you can do other than say that, look, you know, this has been a, a successful restaurant for, you know, a, a quarter of, of a century. You have lots of other positive reviews. I hope ideally these, you know, small amount of negative reviews won't drown out the, the, the whole host of positive reviews and kind of you know feedback and love that there is for the restaurant that there has been over the past 25 years i don't know like i don't know if you guys are in the restaurant business or just in in sort of you know you know have a shop or work in a shop or, or deal with kind of negative reviews like this or review bobbing in the past what do you do like is there something you can actually do can you can you ban someone or block an ip from posting reviews of your establishment can you report it to the website on TripAdvisor, or trust pilot wherever it is i actually don't know i don't know it's a really tough one. Um, I don't know what to do. Because part of me is also thinking that you have kind of intruded. Is it your is it your job? Is it your, your responsibility? As much as you might want to say that you should be empathetic to your kid, it's not your child. It just isn't. And is it your is it your role? You're not just kind of as I don't, getting in someone else's business there, telling them how to parent their child. Ultimately, the mum is looking after the kid. Other family members are looking after the kid. The dad just has his own way of doing things. I don't think that's abuse, by the way. I think it's a very, very strong word. I think it's it's perhaps a little bit neglectful, but it's, I don't know. I don't know if it's even that, to be fair. It's just his way of parenting. The kids being looked after, and ultimately it was their own fault that they got hurt. It's a tough one. It is a tough one. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Again, like I'm not entirely sure. I think I need to, need to go through your comments on this one, guys. Enlighten me. Help me out. Clearly, you can see that I'm all over the place here. So get in the comments, let me know your thoughts, and yeah, let's discuss this more openly, because I clearly am struggling. Karen demands I drive 24-7 to bring water to their rental house. I own a hot tub repair and maintenance company, and one of the services we offer is hot tub water refills, where we truck in the water to fill the tub if the well at the house can't produce enough or if there is a requirement. One of the wells at a home I service went dry. This happens. And it is a backup 500-gallon cistern. So the property manager asked if I could fill their tank. I said, yep, no problem. By the way, the well does still produce water. It's just not as much as needed. So usually if you can augment the tank, then the well will recover and you're good. At the time, my truck was in the shop. So I borrowed my parents' SUV, hooked up my water trailer, filled up the tank, then transported it to their house. I would have normally declined, but the property manager was desperate and I'm the only company in town with water transport equipment. The house is then all good to go and the Karen of this story who is renting that property is set to arrive that evening Just a day and a half later the house has run out The property manager called me and asked if there was anything I could do if I could just take a look It's sunday the bulk water fill location is closed and I had no truck or ability to tow For what it's worth the property manager offered a new house for them to stay at but the entitled parents didn't want a different house so i took a small load of water over with my 1958 jeep i filled my small tank and trailer at my house and brought over 275 gallons this was a total pain in the bar once i arrived the entitled grandmothers come out and immediately start asking why i didn't bring 500 gallons and when i'm gonna go and get them some more because apparently they had 18 people staying there and they all needed showers. It's a pretty big mountain house. She told me that they expect me to drive round the clock delivering water for their entire stay. By the way, when I can't fill at the bulk station and I can't use my full-size trailer, this is all a total pain in the butt. It takes 40 minutes to fill the tank at my house, 20 minutes to drive, and then 40 minutes to transfer. 
18 people consume a ton of water. For reference, if I had my truck and full-size trailer, the whole process would only take 30 minutes. This was all because they wanted to stay in this house to have their ideal vacation and any other house or houses would simply not do. You know what? I feel like that's kind of fair enough. I don't normally agree with entitled people, but if you've paid to vacation in a certain house, you do deserve to be in that house. I think that's okay. So one entitled grandma, the current of the story, then said it was my job to supply them with everything they needed for their vacation. Otherwise, she would make sure I got fired. Okay, now that I'm less okay with. I'd been pretty friendly to this point. Karen said I should ensure my schedule was clear for the next week to support them and that I should go and rent a truck to be able to haul water to them. I honestly couldn't believe it. I was being a professional and friendly person who was just trying to help out, but after those remarks, I couldn't take it. So I clarified with the two mother hens about what I was and wasn't going to do. Also, their adult kids were looking pretty ashamed at this point. One, I said that that was not happening as I do not work for the management company. I'm a third party contractor who works on hot tubs. I was doing the property manager a favor by helping them out. The two entitled grandmothers then threatened to tell the property management company to cancel my contract if I don't help them and implied that as someone delivering water for a business, I'd need the money. And two, I told them to go ahead. My full-time job is in cloud technology and this is a side business for me. I literally couldn't care less and I was still not going to drive round the clock to do that when they could just move to another property. There was some more back and forth, but I finally told them that they'd be stupid to try and stay here, that their experience they wanted to have in this house just wasn't going to happen. I went home, had a couple of beers, and enjoyed the rest of my Sunday. Apparently, the next morning, they did move to another house. Also, the property manager gave them a full refund, so their trip was free. Okay, and there we go for story number one. Now, again, as I said, off the rip and and during that story, it is tough. You pay a lot of money for your perfect vacation spot and you want it to be perfect. And when it isn't and something's gone wrong like this, I get it, you're gonna be annoyed. And genuinely, I would also be annoyed, right? I wouldn't go to the extent that these guys have gone to, obviously, and you can see their kids cringing at how entitled their parents are being, but I can't have any qualms with the fact that they're annoyed. They don't have water supplied to the house they paid a lot of money for, I presume, and they have 18 people in, and it's probably like a nice family holiday. Yeah, it's gonna be annoying. However, if the property manager is being so nice and offering you another house for free, then I'm sorry, but you have to take that. You really do. I mean, that's a good deal. It really is. Like the property manager probably does have to do that. They do have to offer you some sort of compensation, I presume. But this seems like a pretty, pretty good deal. Ultimately, yes, it's not the holiday, not the vacation you would have wanted, but you are then getting a free property for the amount of time you were going to have to pay probably a lot of money for. I don't know. I think it's I think it's a pretty good deal. And again, you can still be annoyed. But these things do happen. It's not as if it was malicious or if somebody just turned the water off or there was something wrong with the property beforehand and they still accepted your your reservation. No, stuff happens and you're getting a free vacation. You've got to take that. Don't ask somebody to work on Sundays and, and you know, bring water to you 24-7 just because there's an issue with the property itself. That's ridiculous. Now, moving on to our second entitled people story of this episode. Now, this one is actually from the same user as the first. 12 entitled people in an Airbnb designed for six cost me $600. I thought you might enjoy my second thirsty female dog story. I posted previously here about a client of mine with a similar story, 
But this is the origin story that happened years before that other post, the one we just looked at. My wife and I own a mountain cabin, and a few years ago, we decided to put it up on Airbnb. The place is a remote A-frame on three acres of forested land with awesome views, about 30 minutes from a ski resort. This was our first Airbnb, so we were pretty cautious with everything, i.e. looking at guests' past reviews, asking them about their trip to make sure this place would suit them, etc. Everything was going pretty well, until the entitled people of this story booked the whole weekend for Thanksgiving. They told us they were driving out from Texas. Mum, dad, three little kids, and two dogs. Being that this was our first holiday rental, we went all out for them. We set a turkey to defrost in the fridge for them and left out a snack platter and a couple of bottles of champagne. Talk about hospitality, that is unreal. They arrive Sunday nights and the next few days, all hell breaks loose. I get a 6 a.m. call on Monday morning. The whole family is puking and sick as hell. They all had altitude sickness. The cabin is at 11,000 feet above sea level, so this happens, especially when you aren't in shape and just came from sea level. I did warn the guests about this ahead of time. So I'm on the phone talking them through everything, where the urgent care is, what to do, etc. And by day two, things have calmed down. That's Tuesday. However, then I take a look at our water system gauge, remote monitored. This house has what we call a slow well recovery system. Basically, at some times of the year, the well might only produce around 60 gallons per day instead of the usual 300 plus. So we have a 500 gallon water storage system that helps smooth out the demand curves. Basically, once the tank goes below 40%, the well starts pumping. And if the well goes dry, a timer gets started and it will pump again in three hours until the tank is topped up. Full description in listing and guidebook. This system is more than adequate for six guests. Also, the house only has one bathroom and a 40 gallon hot water tank, so it's not like anyone can take long showers. Again, that's all in the listing. It's a rustic place. Tactically speaking, we just ask guests to conserve water, but the system is fully automatic and no one even knows it's there. Well, after 48 hours, I checked our tank monitor and see it's around 35% full, which means the guests used all of the storage and what the well can produce in two days. I'm estimating nearly 700 gallons of water. I literally thought something must be broken because there was no way in heck that two parents and three little kids used that much. Like perhaps the well fuse popped and they got nothing from the well. So I'm now freaking out, thinking this nice family is gonna be out of water on Thanksgiving. I called her and politely asked that they conserve water and had them reset the system, AKA turn the breaker on and off. So I basically said I'd monitor it for three hours and if I didn't see the levels make progress, I'd get a water trucked in. This would literally be a first as I've never needed to do it. Her response was, sounds good, but hurry because we drink a lot of water. How weird of a comment is that? As if five people drinking a gallon a day maximum somehow equates to the hundreds of gallons missing from the system. That honestly guys is one of the strangest things that I've ever heard. Sounds good, but hurry because we drink a lot of water. What? Well, there is really no change in water level after three hours, so I get on the phone to book a water truck. And as it's now one day before Thanksgiving, it's just not happening. So I now need to figure out how to transport water to this house. I live one and a half hours away. I went to Farm and Tractor Supply and bought a 275 gallon tank that would fit in my truck, plus hoses and pumps, then drive up there, figure out where I can buy bulk water from, and go to the house. I finally get there at around 4 p.m. and the guests are out, but gave me permission to go inside and test things out. AKA, I wanted to make sure the system was working. 
it was. So they really had used that much. I went inside and found two huskies in a crate who had pooped themselves and it was all over the place. It smelled gross. The owners said they'd be back and would clean it up. At this point, I've been working on this for eight hours. I'm sick, it's 10 degrees Fahrenheit outside and I'm now hooking up the transfer pump. Tomorrow is Thanksgiving and I still need to get to my parents' house. Thankfully, it's only 30 minutes from the cabin. I start pumping, then I see their car pull up and they are waiting at the bottom of the driveway. Knowing they have small kids, I go down and say hi and let them know they can go on in and I'll be done in about 40 minutes. They started to act really odd at this point, but go ahead in. Then I saw two more cars on the side of the road around the switchback. Big steep S-bend in front of the house and it clicks. The reason I just did all of this work and spent nearly $600 on supplies is because these people had 12 people staying there. If you're all curious as to how I didn't notice when I went inside, I didn't snoop around. I just went straight to the breaker box and then went to the crawl space where the tanks are. Also, the smell from the dogs was just horrid, so I got out as fast as possible. At this point, I went up to the front door, knocked, and said, Be honest with me. How many people do you have staying here? Um, nine? I could see she was lying. But even that number was over our legal capacity base on our permit. You realize that this listing is for six people? Well, there are beds for more people, and the kids have a crib, and we didn't know our family wanted to come when we booked it. The loft does have a pull-out couch, so best case there is sleeping for eight adults, but I'm guessing people were sleeping on the couches as well. I just spent $600 plus a full day to solve a problem that was actually not a problem, I said. Well, the house should have water. No, the house system was designed and tested for six people. The stated number on the listing, I don't know how you think it's okay to have this many people here. Look, we could leave, but it would have to be tomorrow and we expect a refund because we don't want to drive down these roads in the dark with our kids. It's maybe 6 p.m. at this point. There's no cell service at the cabin. So I went into town and got on the Wi-Fi at a local bar and called Airbnb. At this point, I'd been hosting for three months and I had no idea how to handle this situation. But now I was more afraid that they damaged something in the house. So Airbnb canceled their reservation and asked them to leave. I was able to recover around $200 for a deep cleaning on the house and they didn't get a refund. On a funny note, at the beginning of this year, I started a hot tub service company and water trucking is a service we offer. And I used some of that equipment to get started. Oh, wow. That is interesting. And it kind of makes sense now. And there we go. That is the end of the second story on that one. I've got to say, you know, it's one of those. It's kind of glamorized, I think, in my head. And I don't know if you guys have seen the adverts in whatever country that you live in. But here in the UK, the adverts for Airbnb are now targeted at people that that are homeowners. And when they go away on holiday, for example, the advert is targeted at them saying, if you're away, Why don't you also run out your house for a little period of time, you know, just like a week or so or even a weekend on Airbnb. So you're making money from your property when you're spending money on another property when you're on vacation or whatever. However, although it is kind of glamorized, seeing stuff like this, I just don't know how I could ever risk that. Sure, um, you can make good money from doing it. But ultimately, if there's a risk of people like this being in your home, then no amount of money would ever warrant that stress and potential disaster that that we've just seen has happened in this one so yeah it sounds great and all i just don't think i could ever do it guys if you've ever put your property on airbnb and rented it out get in the comments down below have you ever had any terrible renters 
like these people or has it been pretty seamless and, and easy and you've you've made decent money from it i'm genuinely quite interested because it's something that i would have considered in the past but hearing horror stories like this i'm just not sure now if i ever could so there we go guys that is the end of that one thank you very much for watching and listening all the way through if you actually did and you didn't skip and you listened to every single story no matter what you were doing then fair play comment down below on whatever platform you're on if you are still listening and watching I love apples because then I will know who the true fans are. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.